0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Keep It A Strong
1: Style. and Karen Peterson on today's show we'll review nights 14 through 18 of G1 Climax 32 and cover all this news in the world of New Japan pro wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the social suplex podcast network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts over at social Check out our Pro Wrestling store, pro wrestlingtees.com slash social That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for njpwworld.com. Features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Karen, young boy, how's it going?
0: Listen, I'm very glad that Karen's here, but more importantly, Jeremy is back. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, it was bad. cool having Samson here. <laughs> <Get> <laughs> it was cool. He did a great job. I appreciate it. But, like, I don't ever want to have to do one of these without Jeremy. Like, I had to, like, put together a rundown. I had to interact with people on the internet. This was just way too much for me. <laughs> I had to watch wrestling and record a show. Like, it's too much, man.
1: Yeah, big shout out to a friend of the show, Chris Samsa, for filling in for me last week and the the recording done, the editing getting all uploaded onto the Red Circle out for all you listeners to to hear. Keeping a strong style, making sure we don't miss a week because we've been going every week for the last five or six years now. Haven't missed one week yet. So, shout out to the stat man, Chris Samsa.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like they were shouting him out over the air, and I was like, we need to start being like keeping a strong style's own Chris Samson. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we move, oh, say- I was going to say before we move on. I know we got a lot to cover, but what is new in the world of Karen? Uh, just because I listened to you on JCast and like Damon learned more about you than we have ever learned about you on this show, so I feel like <laughs> we need to have like at least a, a little time dedicated to what's going on in the world of Karen, right?
2: I I mean, it's one of those things where we always like, you know, we interact relatively frequently on Twitter and stuff like that. And I've been on the show a couple of times. But when it came to Jcast, it was just the Damon didn't feel like talking about wrestling. So he just wanted to unpack (laughs) everything else about me. And I'm just like, all right, I guess I'm going to just pour my heart out on the uh, on the airwaves, as it were. Uh, Things that are going on in the world of Karen right now. I was before we got started, I just told Jeremy. I am just booked my airplane ticket for the UK at the end of September. Going on oh a little, gosh. little girls weekend, as it were. Um, I've been busy writing, doing stuff at post. Uh, for those who enjoy Game of Thrones, I will be doing a weekly recap. I'm not calling it a podcast because it's only going to be during the entirety of House of Dragon. But I am going to be surprisingly... Interviewing and discussing House of Dragon with a lot of other wrestling content creators. Mm-hmm. Dogs healthy, house is good, life is good. I mean, I got no really no real big complaints. Just building my teeny tiny empire.
0: Does does the, those UK dates? Does that correspond with uh, you know, the announcement of New Japan doing the show over there or no?
2: One might say Karen is going on a royal quest, as it were, because <laughs> I will be landing on September thirtieth, and I will be departing on october 4th
3: Nice. So yes
2: it's a very intentional trip but at this rate japan's not opening anytime soon for tourism without paying an exorbitant amount of money to be on a travel package so i'm i'm pretty confident i won't be at new japan's historic crossover with stardom and at this rate it doesn't even look like we'll be open able to get in by wrestle kingdom so i i'm brand new i renewed my passport during the pandemic and it's been burning a hole in my pocket so i'm just like you no. Know what Forget it. I'm just gonna book. A, I'm gonna book a plane, even if it's a, just a short weekend. I'm. I gotta get out of town.
0: <laughs> One day we will all eat at TGI Fridays in Tokyo. Yes.
2: <laughs> but like, it's so much cheaper. We can just like. I can drive down to Tampa and we can go to <laughs> T- TGI Fridays. We don't have to go to Tokyo. <laughs> we have to go to the, the greatest
0: greatest Not that different. The re- the greatest restaurant in all of Tokyo, TGI Friday. Okay.
2: Next thing you're telling me is you want to go to the hub because that's where all the uh, all the foreigners hang out in the the pseudo British pub that's by the Tokyo Dome.
0: I literally don't know what that is. Like it, it's if we go, it's going to be like people like you and others that we know, just like holding my hand and like guiding me through. I have no clue where anything.
2: Or what. I got you. Yes. Don't worry.
1: I'm just, just trying to get a <laughs> Ribera jacket. <sighs> they don't they don't give them to. <laughs> it's only
2: wrestlers, <laughs> like actual famous famous people.
1: Well, I mean, Josh, you're a wrestler, so. Kind
2: of. man, you get a, reverse jacket without a uh, like, you know. Bro,
0: what if, what if we all worked them into thinking we're wrestlers and they give us jackets? Like, we build up a following online but it's filled yeah. with, like, our following is just bots. And then we, we, we're like, look. 3,000. 50,000 I mean, followers.
2: put a lot, away a lot of stake, but I, <laughs> I do think anyone's going to believe for a second that I'm a wrestler. <laughs> you guys, maybe. Me, not so much.
1: Ballet, you know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm the manager.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, real quick, Before we jump into G1 stuff, I had a question here from the Dark Soldier saying, So, Jeremy, were there any attacks in your wedding? Anyone crashed a party? Also, was Youngboy allowed to be one to host the wedding?
0: Uh, I was not allowed to host the wedding. And the only attack I recall was dehydration because... Whoever was the uh, coordinator at your wedding, they did a fantastic job, but they did not, like, provide us with water when we were outside taking pictures. I was dying, bro. Oh, no. Yeah,
1: it was pretty hot in the little, like, you know, groomsmen corner that we were in and going out to take pictures and all that stuff. I was like, yeah. Photographer had us, like, running across the street taking pictures and stuff in the middle of Hyde Park. I
0: was, I was, like, look, I was like, why are we going across the street? He's like, there's shade. I was like, we're literally standing in the shade. He's like, there's greenery. Oh, no. I was like, there was greenery right there, son. I'm like, I don't take the photo. Let's go inside. I'm like, but well, whatever. It's Jeremy's big day. <laughs> <laughs> it's his big day. I guess it's a big day. I guess we're going to go across the street <laughs> take a photo.
1: But yeah, we, we got through it. Uh, it was fun. Fun day. Yeah, there was no sneak attacks, no run-ins. You know, as, as many wrestlers as we know. Yeah, none, none of them, you know, crashed in, tried to, to, try to do a run-in. Because so if
0: you didn't invite any if you'd invited any of the workers, they would have arrived. I mean
1: I know, but I wasn't trying to turn this into you know a wrestling wedding where you know somebody rips off their mask and they're they're real efficient and then
0: it, it was a wrestling wedding. We walked out to Kenny Omega's theme. What are you talking about?
1: Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> uh, all me and all the grooms, in, we came out to a, a classical rendition of Kenny no. Omega's AEW theme song.
0: Yeah, I got mad because they they turned it off right when I was getting to the hype part. I was like, "What? You're gonna cut it off?" Like, it's at not about human. <laughs> yeah, I was getting hyped. I was like,
3: "Are you ready to go?" Are you <laughs> yeah. you're messed, you're
0: messed
1: up. Oh man! Yeah, w- lots of fun. Yeah, there was definitely some uh, you know wrestling references th- throughout the throughout what? the day. One
0: other thing about the questions, I I noticed that on Reddit, the guy that keeps asking about Aaron Hinari's workout routine asked the same question. Uh, Like, I literally provided that answer last week. I, I went out of my comfort zone and got the workout routine from Aaron Hinari. If that guy asks a question again about that, ban him from the show. I don't know how you do that, but he's not allowed
2: <laughs> to listen anymore. I think you just, like, not answer his, read his question on air. I mean, you you well, can't ban people from the internet.
1: Well, that's why I, I, did, I did not copy the question over this week. I, was, I, I listened last week, and, yeah, Josh, you did an excellent job. You reached out to Hanare on the gram. You slid in his DMs, and Hanare was so grateful to give you his full workout, is, you know, is bulking and non-bulking and week off, week on, cycle thing. Can I
0: understand it? No. no. Could I, like, <laughs> articulate exactly what it is? Not quite, but he gave it to us.
2: <laughs> that was awfully kind of him. Usually people charge for that kind of information.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the deal is, like, it's so intensive that he's like, it doesn't matter if I give it to him, they're not gonna be able to do it. <laughs>
1: <So> it's, just... <laughs> it's like this stupid Mark. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, uh, let's jump into G1 Climax. We are at the tail end of the tournament by the time most of you are listening to this. it will You'll probably already know who's going into the finals. We're recording here on Tuesday night. We just saw the final night of block action. So we're going to start off. We're going to talk about the standings where we left off last week, and then we'll run through the results of last week's action and then talk about how everything shaked out on today's show Where the, the block standings are And kind of give our overall thoughts On some of the guys And then we'll kind of give our predictions For the semifinals And the finals coming up here In the next couple of days um, So last week We left off with the A block With Jonah with 6 points With 2 more matches Okada also had 6 points with 2 more matches Jeff Cobb had 4 points with 2 matches left Bad Luck, Bad luck Fale had uh, four points. He had one match left. Lance Archer, four points with two matches left. Filthy Tom Lawler with four points, two matches left, and Toroyano with two points, and he was done. He was eliminated from the tournament. Young boy, you want to take us through the B block?
0: Yep. So we have uh, Jay White was leading the block. He had two more matches to go. Tamatonga was uh, behind him with four points. Three more matches. Sonata had four points, was eliminated. Taichi had four points, three more matches. And then Chase Owens had four points. Okan had two points. And Tomohiro Ishii had two points. And they were all effectively eliminated as of last week's recording.
1: Then from the C block, we had the ace, Hiroshi Nanahashi, with six points. Zach Sabre Jr. with six points. Hiroki Goto with four points. Tetsuya Naito with four points. Evil with four points. All those guys had two matches left. Aaron Hanare. With two points, he's eliminated. Kenta with two points. He had three more matches, so he had a chance to kind of catch up with the block in this past week's action.
0: Nice. And then uh, rounding out the D block, we had Dave Finley leading with six points. Shingo Takagi with four points. Will Ospreay, four points. Yujiro Takahashi with four points. All those guys had two more matches to go. Yoshihashi had four points with three more matches. Juice was sitting at four points with one match and El Phantasmo had two points with two more matches left to go.
1: So that brings us into the results from this coming week. So starting off from night 14th, August 9th, we had Hujiro Takahashi defeating Yoshihashi in the D block, 13 minutes, 12 seconds from the B block. We had Sonata defeating Chase Owens by ref stoppage, 1245. Also from the B block, Tama Tonga defeated Taichi 1653. In the semi-main, we had Lance Archer defeating Jonah by countout. And then the main event from C-Block, we had Tetsuya Naito defeating Kenta 23 minutes and 30 seconds.
0: Nice. Um, August 10th, El Fantasma defeated Dave Finley. Tamatonga defeated Great Ocon. Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Evil in 44 seconds. Tom Lawler was defeated by Okada in the semi-main event. And in the main event, Hiroki Goto defeated ace Hiroshi Tanahashi in 19
1: minutes and one second. Then on night 16, August 13th, C-Block kicked us off with Kenta defeating Aaron Hanare. Then Jeff Cobb from the A-Block defeating Toroyano for 4 minutes 28 seconds. From the D-Block Shingo Takagi defeated Yujiro Takahashi 15 minutes and 24 seconds. Semi-main event also from the D-Block Will Ospreay defeated Yoshihashi 18 minutes and 46 seconds. And then the main event from the B-Block, Switchblade, Jay White defeating Tai Chi, 23 minutes and 20 seconds.
0: Nice. And then on August 14th, this was the final night of action for many of the competitors on this evening. Yoshihashi defeated Dave Finley 11 minutes and 14 seconds. Great Khan defeated Taichi. Tom Lawler defeated Jeff Cobb. And in the main event, Kenta defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi in 23 minutes and 46 seconds. Which led us to today's show, which was the first of three consecutive Budokan Hall shows, August 16th, with nothing but block
1: matches. Yep, so we had the show opening up. They split the cart up by block. So we had a show open up with D-Block, with Will Ospreay defeating Juice Robinson, 11 minutes and 7 seconds. Then we had El Fantasmo defeating Shingo Tatagi at 12 minutes and 12 seconds, which with that... That put Osprey through to win the D block. Then they moved on to the C block, where we had Evil, spoiling Hiroki Goto, beating him 8 minutes and 40 seconds. And then Tetsuya Naito beating Zack Sabre Jr. 1 minute, 58 second quick uh, flash pin here for Tetsuya Naito to take the C block, meaning we get Naito and Osprey in one of the semifinals. Then from the B block, we had Tomohiro Ishii and Tanada wrestling for Pride. And so Stone Pitbull was able to defeat Sonata, 12 minutes 35 seconds. And then Tant Matonga, with possibly the biggest win of his career to date, defeating the current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Switchblade Jay White, to win the B block and advance to semifinals. And then the show concluded with the last two A block matches in the semi main event. We had Jonah and Bad Luck Falle wrestling. This was. Jonah was eliminated, even though I think he kind of thought that he still had a chance, but at this point, he was mathematically uh, eliminated. He did get the win here, the big torpedo on Balak Fale, so he got up to eight points there. And then the big main event, the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada defeated the Murder Hawk Monster Lance Archer. 12 minutes, 43 seconds for Okada to clinch the A block, which will lead to a big rematch that we saw in last year's G1. With Okada and Tama Tonga, so guys, nice. how, how, how did you guys feel about the the today's final show?
2: I found it to be quite satisfying, but that's only <laughs> because I was very salty how they booked Sonata this turnaround. That when Tama beat Jay, I was I was I was probably one of like. A very limited number of people who were was very very satisfied that Jay finally got an L, and not just any L—the L that ruined the entire G one for him.
0: Uh, I'm not too confident about that. It felt like the crowd was pretty pleased that he took that L today as well.
2: Oh, I'm talking about Twitter.
0: Oh, <laughs> the crowd, oh, I mean, the
2: crowd I- loved that Tama one, but I've seen very a lot of very heated individuals that about, over Tama beating Jay. So.
0: You might be circulating the wrong areas of Twitter because our timeline was nothing full of joy. People were happy. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought I curated my timeline, but this this morning some of it crept back in, and I'm like, oop, time time to do some muting.
1: <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I've been I've been playing. off Twitter most of the day. I trying to to avoid spoilers, so honestly, I I'm have no idea how the general consensus has been feeling. I did look on Cage Match at the ratings. I I feel like Cage Match rated this this match quite low compared to what I rated it. Uh, like you were saying, Josh, I felt the crowd was totally into the matchup and that big huge pop when Tama finally hit that last gun stun and was able to pin Jay. I, I thought was was awesome.
0: Now I will say this. Um, I did think that you know, anytime you have this number of singles matches on a card in New Japan with this many stars, that's always a treat. So, I mean, I can't like be too critical of it, but like, I did feel like it was maybe a little from a, just a like match quality wise, a little less than what I was sort of expecting. But all in all, I mean, there was nothing that was bad on the show and we had a great main event, some you know, um, kind of surprising results. So, I mean, all all in all, it was a really good show. I just don't know if this show for me at the end of the year is going to be like a a show of the year candidate the way that on paper, I thought that maybe it looked like it might turn out to be, if that makes sense.
2: I feel like the matches were a much, on this particular day, were much shorter overall than I had expected. Because there there were other days where some matches went way too long, but this one was just like, I mean, I I'm not gonna lie. I was very happy to see that very short <laughs> Zach Sabre Jr. Naito match, especially after the <laughs> match last year, but, and also Zach's subsequent meltdown backstage. But yeah. it was one of those things where it was like, I wish there were more. I know that you can't do too many short like that, like under five minute matches during the G1 because it's supposed to be, you know, the Grade One, the the best in the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I just felt like it, it was like it made it feel exciting and fresh. As opposed to a 20-minute symphony, which is like a three-minute ditty, and that was it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you, Josh. I don't think this show, I wouldn't say by the end of the year it's going to be a show of the year contender, but I would say it's probably going to be one of the best shows from this G1 tour. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, like you mentioned, everything was very good, bam, 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 very quick match. It was a very enjoyable show. Like if People haven't watched the show yet. I would say watch it from beginning to end because it was a roller coaster ride. All the matches were very good. You start off with that, you know, intense, you know, heated rivalry with Osprey and Juice, and all the way down to Okada and Archer. They told a great story throughout the night. Um, a lot of really fun matches, and it was, it was overall a really fun show. And I think the thing that really um, led into them probably having shorter matches is just the um, the semifinal night coming up tomorrow, and then also the final night. So. I'm sure, you know, Osprey Naito is going to be a first-time matchup. They want those guys to probably go out there and have an absolute banger. So you, you have those guys having two short matches. And then the same thing for Tamatanga and Okada. Again, I mean, I think Okada took a lot of crazy bumps in the Archer match. Uh, he
0: got killed in that
1: match. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how he's going to do it <laughs> tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to guess that Osprey Naito is closing tomorrow. The card has not been revealed for the order as of yet, as of, yet, as of this recording. But I would assume that's going to close the show, and then Okada, Tama, in the semi-main. But again, I don't think Tama and Jay was overly long, so I think they were trying to save some of these guys so that the semifinals and finals could end up being longer and high quality.
0: Well, you know, like you, Karen, when I turned on the show this morning, because I watched it after, I didn't watch it live, um, and I saw the two-hour and 48-minute runtime, I was like, what? that's like shorter than almost every block night the entire tournament yep <laughs> so for me if there was one night where I would have maybe maybe like entertained the idea of slightly longer matches not all of them I was glad that they had some matches that were like wham bam you know but um, this might have been that night yep. but from a kayfabe perspective it does make sense that every guy that's almost every wrestler that was performing on this night is anticipating hypothetically going through and the way they're going to work the matches is very different than, you know, a block final or even, you know, the finals because they're trying to to win as quickly as possible and preserve themselves. And, you know, because it's going to be literally three nights in a row if they happen to win the G one, which is pretty taxing. So from that perspective, I did like it. I got that. There was a reason why the matches were shorter. I just was a little surprised. I was expecting like one of those legendary, like 2014 G1 nights where it's like boom, block, you know, block match after block match. And I was like, oh my God, like this can be out of this world. But it was still, like you said, Jeremy, a really enjoyable evening overall. And what I one thing I I also liked about it is how they curated and cultivated all these storylines to sort of just crescendo all together. So even when certain guys did or didn't go through, you kind of could piece together the story that they wove into it all, you know, from the get go. It's almost like you could see it in reverse now that we're here, which I guess is kind of the brilli- the brilliance of, uh, you know, Gato's booking style. Like, I always wonder if he starts from the the end and then books out that way. Who knows?
2: The one thing I liked about this particular format is that I know it kind of made some days feel lopsided with like you know you have one match from each block maybe two from a particular block. But it was the for the for the most part, everybody was always like around the same number or like hovering around the middle for most of the tournament that it mm-hmm. it, it, it didn't feel like other years where it was like you knew exactly who was going to be at the top of the block, who was probably going to hover near the middle and who's who was. Who was Designated there to pad everybody else's record, so it, it for me it kept it it kept it uh, feeling like I kept going and enjoying it. But at the same time, it was like this and the five-star Grand Prix at the same time. I have such a burnout
0: <laughs> right now. <laughs> Wait, you're only watching those tournaments? You're not watching the N1 victory? You're not watching Altapens, uh <laughs>
2: uh No, I also watched the Tokyo Joshi Princess Cup. I am behind on the N1 victory. That was my, That was my homework for this weekend, and all I did was watch Game of Thrones.
1: <laughs> you didn't watch the CMLL Grand Prix?
2: i didn't know how to watch it i wanted to watch robbie
0: eagles wrestle (laughs) i don't think that's a tournament i think it's just a one like it's a it's a cybernetico i think Mm. which i've never seen one so i don't know exactly it's like a huge multi-man elimination match it's weird i don't know
1: (laughs) well uh, let's move on take a look at these uh block standings here and talk about how the blocks ended so, I'll start with the A block. So, like you mentioned, Kazuchka Okada took the block, ended with 10 points. Jonah ending with eight points. Lance Archer, Jeff Cobb, Filthy Tom Waller all ending their campaign with six points. Bad luck, Fale with four points. And then the bottom of the A block, Toriano with two points. So, how'd you guys feel about the A block and how it ended and kind of the journey that it took for Okada to, to get to the finals here?
2: Well, as defending champion, I know understand the reason why he is always booked really strong in the G one. But at the same time, he's going on paternity leave like right after this. So I really wish it would have been like I, I really wish they would have given Tom Waller a little bit a little bit more of a shine to it. Maybe have Yano have him one one more or two more upsets. It just like it it just feels like. When you saw Al in that block, it's almost like a given that he was the one going to the semifinal for May block.
0: Yeah. Um, that's true. He did just win that TV Asai most popular like superstar thing though. Yeah. So I mean, it almost feels like um uh, in the past when they've done those, he hasn't even ranked as high as he is currently. So I don't know if he's like crescendoing like all this like tenure that he has is sort sort of like starting to finally like pay off in, in a way that maybe it didn't you know, four years ago or something like that. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. However, that Jonah loss really started me, like, getting the wheels turning where I was like, oh, they might go with Jonah. Like, who knows at this point? So um, on the final night, like, to see that it really ultimately was coming down to Archer and Okada is kind of like what you said, Karen. It's like, in a way, it was sort of cool and exciting, but at the same time, it's like, we're here again, we've been here, it kind of feels familiar, you know, and it does take a little bit of, like, even for Jonah, he's, he beats uh, Balak Fale, and he's trying to do the math, and he's like, if Archer wins, it's a three-way tie, it's like, "No, nah, dog, if Archer wins, he beat both you guys, and, <laughs> and he wins the block.
2: <laughs> and and, and that's And that's the hard thing, is that it's just like, Okada just feels like, and this well, it's the same thing that I have for Naito. Even though I picked, I picked Naito to, to win the whole thing, is that Okada is a safe bet, and mm-hmm. I just wish that like it, it's kind of like a Ibushi. When a Bushi's in the G1, he's a safe bet, and he's you know he's comfortable, and he's he's someone that you know the company gravitates towards, and the comp- the fans gra- gravitate towards. That it's just like I I want to f- like I want to feel like other people have the chance of winning, and. With his opponent for the semifinal, it's a rehash of last year's G1, but but a block match. But again, I don't want to get my hopes up because, <laughs> you know, it's Okada and he's he's the golden boy of the family, as it were.
1: Yeah, and, you know, they're also still celebrating the, the 50th year anniversary. I feel like Okada's been a, been a big part of the celebration and, you know, his Inoki tributes with the robes and the integuris and the Emerald Flosions and... Uh, him being the champion earlier in the year, like, a lot of this year in the business has been built around Okada. And obviously, he's the, the biggest, most popular star. They're still trying to recoup uh, some profit from the pandemic. And you know there's still not full capacity in some of these buildings yet. So having Okada you know, front and center, pushing him in the main events, I totally understand from a business perspective while they're doing that. If this was, say, maybe two years, two or three years ago, pre-pandemic, I could see them maybe taking a risk and throwing somebody like a filthy Tom Lawler or Jonah or Archer into that semifinal spot. But I think with in this pandemic time and them trying to sell as much tickets, you needed Okada in there. You need him to win the main event on this final show so he can cut the closing promo, and hype the crowd up to come back the next day and to come back the day after that. So I totally understand that. But I do think they did a great job, like you mentioned, Josh, with the Jonah loss. And the crowd was so the crowd was so into Jonah, and they were so into that match. And every time he dropped Okada, the, the oohs and ahs and the gasps. And when he caught Okada midair with that Black Forest bomb hit some of another Black Forest bomb Goes up top, hits the torpedo. The cross goes like, "Oh!" And he just squashes <laughs> Okada. Like that moment will go down in history for for Jonah, and it, that was probably a, yeah. probably his biggest win, I think, in his career. And I really hope that he continues to be with New Japan because I think they have some money here with him, and especially a rivalry with him and Okada. Um, but yeah, that Jonah loss did kind of put a little you know chink in the armor for Okada, and so you're like, "Oh well, is he going to get past?" filthy Tom, who Tom was tearing him up in that match, working on the ripcord arm. You know, most people work on the actual lariat right arm. Tom was working on the left arm, that he uses to pull people in for the Rainmaker. And so it really had me questioning, oh, is Tom going to, like, beat this man because he can't hit the Rainmaker?
0: Well, you know, one thing, too, is, um... I think it's highly likely is going to win his, um, the the what do we call, what is the semifinals i yeah. think he's winning the semifinals he's going into the finals and i think he's going to lose and i think the narrative there is going to be he was in this block with all these killers and went through hell having to deal with all these giants that anyone else who was in his position wouldn't have been able to even get through that block but he got through it but he doesn't have enough left in the tank to beat Naito or Osprey or whoever it ends up being. And that's going to kind of be, like, the narrative. So, like, I I hate to be that tinfoil hat guy, you know, the Rich ladder, if you would, (laughs) the one who (laughs) dabbles in, uh, you know, conspiracy theories. But I almost start to, like, look back on this and think, like, I feel like they put Okada in here to give him an out for when he takes that loss to Naito. And in a way, it almost – might slightly tarnish the win that naito or osprey are going to get in the finals against him because it's like look what he had to go through no one else had as tough a road as okada did you know and and he just you know he faltered at the end
1: (laughs) yeah and you know okada didn't really get a night off at all because even with the yano match yano went back into you know most violent players yeah So he didn't, you know, the quote unquote, you know, night off Yano match, Okada didn't get that either. So literally every block match he had was um, a test and a very grueling matchup.
0: One thing I want to point out, speaking to what you mentioned there, Karen, Tom Waller, um, in hindsight, looking at the booking of this tournament, decisions they made, things they should have done, things they shouldn't have done. I initially was in favor of Tom Lawler being in this block, but looking back on it, I feel like that was a big misstep. I feel like he would have been much more suited in literally any of the other blocks because he would have had guys that he could have worked with that weren't bigger lumbering giants, which he does do well with them. He has a track record in history. Yeah. But this was also an opportunity for him to showcase who he is and what he's made of. And he couldn't do as much of that with these guys as he would have been able to do with like, say Hanare or Goto or Shingo Takagi or Tomohiro Ishii. So I do kind of think that that was a mistake for, from a booking perspective.
2: Well, and the other thing is that, you know, he spent over a year as the new Japan strong openweight champion. And it's, it's frustrating when they bring him over to his first G1 and he does the same points-wise as El Phantasma, who's a junior heavyweight. So it's one of those things where, yeah, they have the same build, they're the same height, but I, I it, it made me expo- expect more because of his experience in New Japan Strong specifically. And yeah, any of the other blocks, especially if Okan was one of his matchups, or Hanare, or even Kenta, I just feel like he was put in a block which you could have easily swapped him and Shingo and I feel like it would have been more balanced for the two, for each of them.
0: That's not a bad dis- Well, then we don't get Osprey and Shingo then.
2: <laughs> but we've seen it.
0: <laughs> I mean, explain. as much as
2: I, I, but see, for me, I, I wanted Shingo and Naito and they didn't do it. So right.
0: And me too, actually. Yeah.
2: It, it just feels like, I just feel like they just misplaced him in are like, any of the other blocks he would have been, he would have, I just feel like he would have, not that he would have done, like, better, but it would have just been more fair to him, especially with everything he was going through. Like, I had to, like, pace myself on his backstage promos because that man wore his heart on his sleeve and just poured every single feeling he had. And I was just like, I'm not used to this this sweet, emotional, <laughs> gentle, <laughs> gentle boy. But <laughs> Please, somebody put, check on him. Make sure he's okay.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I, I think Tom should have been in another block, and I think he would have had better matches. However, I think the one benefit of him being in this monster block is it did, I think, help him get sympathy. And I think it helped him mm, got, yeah, got yeah. over to a next level because here's this smaller guy, and he's facing Jonah, he's facing Archer, Fall- all these big guys. And the crowd really got behind him. I think, obviously, the, the, he, there were, he was already over, I think, coming in from being a strong openweight champion. But I felt as the tour went on, the crowd got more into him and because he was the underdog and fighting all these big monsters, I feel like that added a whole another level of connection to the crowd.
0: Yeah. One one other thing with it, and I guess this is a good segue, is on the final on his final night, which was previous to today's show, he did beat Jeff Cobb, which is like a huge, huge victory yeah. for him. So like, yeah, would I have been happier had he gotten a big win over Okada? Let's say the same way that jonah did sure but i I don't think mathematically that was feasible but i mean considering the way jeff cobb's been booked over the last like 18 months in new japan that was a huge deal that he beat him clean as a sheet in a one-on-one match so um and i was surprised that jeff cobb went three and three in this tournament uh that's not something i saw coming at all
1: yeah especially when you look at back last year when he had that Super dominant performance in the A block and ran through people and only lost to Okada at the end. There, it's very questionable. I was I was expecting Cobb to be one of the favorites. I was expecting Cobb to be ending at eight points or being the one that ties with Okada.
0: Yeah, I would have flipped. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I just had a quick thought and I was like, ah. <laughs>
2: same. <laughs> With with Jeff, it was like last year when when he was in the G one. I was like, this is they need to pull the trigger on him now, because I in my gut I felt that when Jay and Osprey came back, and all the other foreigners were able to come back and wrestle, that Jeff would get pushed to the background, and that's exactly what they did. And it's frustrating because Jeff has done so much. Especially, and he's like he's flourished since he's come to New Japan. But especially since joining the United Empire, and in the last year, he's done so much. But now it's just like I don't want them to push him further and further to the back of the line, when he could easily like be more than just a never open weight champion. I mean, right. if we had the IC belt still lying around, I could easily see him being Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. Like, I feel like there's there's more for Jeff Cobb than just tag team wrestling at this point in New Japan.
0: Well you you said a trigger word for me and that's the IC belt. Every time I like hear that I just get angry <laughs> that that doesn't exist. It makes no I know, sense. I so it doesn't exist. Um but <sighs> what I was going to say is listen, there's a reason that you're on the show Karen because you like ourselves are usually what we like to call ahead and yes, <laughs> you were ahead on that. You predicted exactly what was going to happen and that is kind of what's taken place. Uh I do think that Jeff Cobb is worked up enough goodwill to where he's got a spot. It might not be the top guy spot, but he's like mm, upper B level and he's always, he's kind of like Zach Sabre Jr. where like he's ready to be like put into the reserves anytime they need him. And could he win a new Japan Cup when called upon or a top singles title if the time comes? Yep. I think that that's like on the docket. But what I was going to say is I sort of thought, I saw him and Jonah being foot flopped. Not because I didn't believe in Jonah, but because the way just classically they treat outsiders for their first time. I kind of thought that's where we were going, but they clearly like are, well, I mean, remember Jeremy, when we first started the show back in 2017, they did the Australia tour. We had heard back then, they were like, these guys are high on Jonah rock. They're, they're, they're investing in Jonah rock. We're like, all right, we're ready (laughs) for this dude. And then he got snatched up by NXT. We're like, Damn it! So I think those same people that saw him wrestle Cody and saw him do all that stuff on that, you know, Down Under tour, whatever it was called back then, like they're still ready to go into business with Jonah, you know.
1: Yeah, I think now is a very pivotal time to push him too, because with um, you know Papa H, you know, taking back over creative in WWE, (laughs) um, he's bringing back all his NXT boys. He's calling everybody up, and so there there are already rumors that Jonah could potentially already have one foot out the door and triple h is trying to you know get him back all over to WWE to WB and put him on the main roster so I definitely understand new Japan wanted to strike when the iron's hot push Jonah and be like hey like we, we see promising you we let you be okada like we have big plans for you you know sign up us full time so I really hope that you know uh, you know they back up that, that that yen and keep Jonah in New Japan
2: I think they also learned their lesson in recent years between the NXT releases, but also um, a lot of their talent getting snapped up by AEW. Because, like, Mm -hmm. even when we went to that Tampa show earlier this year, a lot of those guys we haven't seen since Tampa. Or they've been, like, they had a foot in both camp, but now, like, you know, Buddy Matthews is gone. And, you know, Jay Lethal dropped by for a while, but he's gone. Swerve's gone. So it's just like, I think... (laughs) <laughs> I was just glad that he, Yuta was in Super Juniors, but it's right. one of those things where it's like they keep getting the rug yanked out from underneath them because they're right. not locking people in. And I, 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 I mean, that's probably by design because the you know the, you want them to be able to work as much of the American Indies as possible, especially if you can't give them that full time contract. The problem right. is, is that they're building their names in New Japan, but just enough that when The the wallets come out. It's just like, bye.
0: (laughs) That's true. I also don't know. I mean, I guess I'm not like the, I'm not going to defend New Japan's practices because are there talented people that have slipped through the cracks? Sure. Yeah. But I also got to wonder how many slots in Japan there actually are for these types of talents that they really intend to bring over. And so I think they're being a little selective in that regard. Absolutely at the end of the day, new Japan strong is always going to be there and still be this kind of quasi like almost like the way that like the maple leaf uh, promotion was back in the eighties where like all these, or even Hawaii where all these people from different parts of the world can come work together and kind of get showcased and then maybe get launched to WWE or to AEW or MLW or, or Japan or whatever it might be. Because I mean, at the end of the day, there's only, so many people they actually can sign but i agree with you jeremy i think that if they really are serious about keeping joan around they've done a lot to kind of showcase like hey we've got good faith here like we have big intentions for you and i mean like yeah that like i can't remember the last time someone just like murked okada like (laughs) that like That's so crazy.
1: Yeah, and he has has his own stable. They brought back TMDK. He's got, you know, Shane Hayes, Mikey Nichols, and Bad Dude Tito. He was undefeated on Strong last year. This big win over Okada. Second place in the A block in his first G1. Like, they're, they're giving this guy so much right now.
0: One last thing. Um,. On this block for me, um, I mean, I don't have much to say about Archer or about Fale and Yano because they did exactly what I expected out of them. But as far as Archer goes, um, I thought he had a good, a really good tournament. But this didn't feel like the transcendent Archer that we saw in that 2019 G1. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think it was for lack of trying. I think, he, and maybe it might have come down a little bit to the overall nature of having a monster block with all these big guys working together where there's positives to that. And there's also some negatives, you know what I mean? Right. And um, that might be part of why I wasn't quite as impressed with him as I was in other G ones. But at the same time, he was still flipping. He was still rope walking. He was still alive at the end. And he really like was fucking up, okada in today's
1: show like yes he was it. oh my gosh dude <laughs> yeah, he he beat <laughs> okada's ass
0: <laughs> and that was my that was my match of the night by the way like pretty easily i, oh. I went four stars on it
1: yeah i think I was, I was four and a quarter on it uh but yeah just Bro, you can
0: i don't know why but like i'm always a quarter star <laughs> <luster>. <laughs> dude
1: the, the crowd was into it those bump. he was <laughs> Throwing Okada's head in the, in the back of the rail, he did the rainmaker. He did a, he did a drop kick. Like Archer was on fire he in did the main some, event.
0: I think this was his best match of the tournament.
1: Yeah, he starts off with that big choke slam right from the go. I thought, oh, uh, uh, you know, we're going yeah. a, a squash here in the, in the main <laughs> event. <laughs> oh man, yeah, he did Karen, awesome. What were your feelings on Archer in this tournament? Uh,
2: see, my thing about Archer is that he's when he was announced for this this G one. I know a lot of there was a lot of pushback, especially from AEW fans about it because they you know they had their they had their fantasy booking with like, you know, Punk and Moxley and Danielson and all that stuff. But for me, it was like I've always seen Archer as someone who's even though he's not with the company anymore, he's still part of Suzuki gun he's still part of the family. You know, when when the U.S. Championship was in limbo during the pandemic, he was the one that was shuttling back and forth between Strong and AEW and de- de- being transitional champion multiple times with that belt just to make it have some se- sense of legitimacy for the last three years. Um, so for me, it's the, I'm just happy Archer's there, and that his constant dedication to New Japan, even with not being a part of New Japan proper full-time anymore— was rewarded by a birth in the G1. Did I expect him to win the G1? No. Did I expect him to win the block? Not as soon as Okada was in there. I'm like, nobody's winning but Okada. But it's just that I'm just glad he's there and still able to remind people who he is. Because sometimes in AEW, he doesn't get to be right. who he is. But in, like, he doesn't get to be like, everybody
3: does in, <laughs> in
2: AEW, like the way he does in New Japan. Like he, He's not launching... Kenny Omega into the 18th row anymore. He he he's just you know throttling Okada like he's paying getting paid for it, which he is. But it's just one of those things where I'm I'm just happy for him. I'm happy if he's happy. Do I want uh, do I want everyone to win? Yes. Do I want to give everybody like 10 points? Yes. Do I want to give everyone a gold star? Yes. (laughs) I'm just I'm just I'm just on the G one right now. I'm just exhausted.
1: (laughs) Um and. They also kind of made mention to what you're bringing up, Josh, on on commentary too, of him in AEW where they're like, "Ken, because like, oh, you know, people in AW don't want to wrestle you because you know he doesn't have that many matches on TV because obviously he's a monster in AW, and Tony Khan doesn't want to beat him all the time, so he doesn't have a lot of matches on Dynamite or Rampage." So they kind of brought it into commentary. And speaking of commentary, I thought Archer did a great job on yes. English commentary because he wasn't not he wasn't really the everybody dies like you were saying character character <laughs> uh, on on commentary. He was just kind of like normal Lance Archer. Like I haven't watched New Japan in like three years. Like who's this Okon well, dude? On by the end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. By the end, yeah.
0: The last night he did commentary, he was actually adding real color because he clearly had actually done some Google searches and, <laughs> and some Wikipedia, as opposed to the first night. He's like, "Who's that guy?" But
1: <laughs> well, that guy was a young was, lion last time I was here.
0: <laughs> um. Did so? Okada kicked out of the blackout today. Yes, um, he did. Yeah. Has nobody? I've never seen anyone kick out of that. Am I wrong on that? They didn't like. I, no, they didn't no, highlight it. On... That's
2: that's the end of it. Like normally, nobody kicks out of the blackout.
0: Yeah, I can't. I can't highlight call. it like that on commentary, which I thought was a misstep because I've never seen anyone kick out of that. But I don't know.
2: It's also the the building that they're in, like the Budokan. Like most of the buildings in Japan. <laughs> in august they're abysmally humid and hot and uncomfortable yeah. so i'm sure on top of trying to you know, do their normal jobs they're just like sweating like they're paid for it and very <laughs> unhappy about it so it's just one of those things where it's like what would i have liked more emph- emphasis on it sure but you know what i i've been in japan in august and i hate it just as much
3: as they do
0: <laughs> well kevin kelly was on uh observer and he's like yeah i've been wearing shirts every night but those last three budican nights i'm gonna wear a suit and i'm like I don't know, man. <laughs>
1: Good luck, man. <laughs> yeah, Jay White, you know, had a heat stroke symptoms last weekend. Yeah, okay. <laughs> or so, um, or so he says, or the company well, says. Well,
2: if you if you want a, a heart filled Karen story, heat stroke in Japan is no joke. I actually <laughs> collapsed in class mid sentence because it has to be a certain temperature before they turn the air conditioning on in most buildings. Oh my god! So, <laughs> so. Jay getting, like, you know, he, they're playing it off. like, he's like, no, I just need a couple of nights off. No, he probably really, really had it and was like, they're like, no, we need to keep our, you know, our top champion not in the hospital, especially after, you know, juicing his appendicitis, whether that was real or not, whatever. But that's another hero there. But it's it's just, it's the a report, really, really big thing.
0: The reports were that he didn't actually have, like, heat stroke symptoms. It was more like he had a cold, but they were, like, taking all the. You know, necessary precautions, right? One last thing before we move to B block, um, about the commentary. Uh, Tom Waller did great, Archer did great, yes. all those guys were awesome. But I gotta tell you, on that second to last night, I got a new favorite English wrestler commentator, and his name is Jonah. Jonah, yes, Jonah, <laughs> has a, Jonah is a plus on the commentary,
1: bro. He was perfect, dude. Like, he. He had all the witty comebacks. He had the, yep. you know, the breakdown of moves. He had the story. Like, like he, he was perfect.
0: Man, fuck all that. His voice is just so sultry. And oh so yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 I don't care what one he's
0: one
2: saying. Like, all right, I got to outdo Lawler. I got to outdo all these other guys.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was he was great. He was excellent. Oh man! Alright, well let's move on to the B block now So like we mentioned, top of the block Tama Tonga wins a block With 10 points, tying with Switchblade, Jay White also with 10 points With Tama's winning at the tiebreaker Over Jay, then with 6 points We have the Cold Skull Sonata and Then coming in at the bottom of the block here All these guys ending with 4 points Taichi, Chase Owens Great Okan and Tomohiro Ishii
0: This is the one block that's a little different than what you had mentioned that you liked about the tournament, Karen, where you said, you know, everyone, you know, kind of did better than, you know, it afforded certain people to, to, you know, be in that six to eight point range that might not normally be there. But the B block seemed to be the one block where Gato was like, nope, we're doing a two man race. It's going to be very apparent. Yeah. See it for most of the tournament. And even last week with five nights to go, me and Chris, when we were doing our show, it's was like, it's going to come down to Tama and Jay. And these guys are pretty much going to be almost undefeated going yeah. into that match. And that's exactly how it unfolded. Jay White. Now, I got to tell you, Jeremy, you were wrong. <laughs> you were trying to be ahead. And you said that Jay White was going to win the block undefeated. And so did Chris Amsa. Both y'all. Suck it. You guys were wrong. (laughs) You lost. And he lost to my man, Tamatana. I I was close, though.
1: (laughs) I was close. You guys were close.
2: My Uh, my impression was that it was going to be Tama was going to ruin it for Jay. I I had a feeling Jay wasn't going to drop many losses. But as soon as they were announced the same block, there and they were announced on the last night of block competition, right. there was only one L, and it was going to be the L of all L's that he gets served.
0: <laughs> the L-O-L. <laughs> <laughs> well um,
2: done.
0: You know, the thing is, and I'll kick it over to you guys. Years and years and years ago, when we first started the show, me and Jeremy, we kept doing this dance with Tamatanga where we'd watch him, and we'd be like, he is incredible. He needs to go on a singles run. And then he'd go into a G1 and he would screw off and he would embarrass us. And we'd be like, never again. And then he'd go back to the tag ranks and we'd be like, why is he so great? He needs to get a push. And then they'd give him a little push and he would squander it. I don't know if it was just due to the nature of his character or the way they were like slotting him, but then we'd be like, fuck all that. He's fucking off in this G1. We're done. We're done. But we were ahead. Five years ago, when we said that this dude needed to be a superstar, it turns out we were right. This man is, bro. He is incredible, and like I'm so happy that like if there was any sort of surprise that came out of this tournament, this block, it's that Tamatonga won the block. That's incredible.
2: I think for me. When it comes to Tama, because you know, uh, you know, I, I don't, I may, I'm, some people may say I'm a little bit of bias because of my you know, participation on the Tama's Island podcast, <laughs> but this was the, the this current iteration of Tama Tonga is the one that I've waited for. It was, you know, st- it started last summer with him beating Okada in the G One when he decided to you know even then when he was a bad guy that he was going to get his prefer you know what together and start focusing on himself as a singles wrestler. I, the only thing that kind of sabotaged that or felt like kind of a hiccup coming into this G1 was them putting the never open weight belt on him and then having him mm. immediately lose it to Carl Anderson. Yeah. Like, I felt like whomever, I don't even remember who he beat. For, he beat Ishii for the belt? No, Evil. Evil.
1: Right. I think, yeah, I think it was Evil.
2: Was it Evil? Oh, God, it's been so long. Yeah, it was, But but my thing is that had this, had they held off on that, and put him in a block, I mean, he's in a block with Jay, but I mean, put him in a block where it would have been, like, Osprey as the U.S. champion or whomever as the never open weight champion. And then, you know, maybe he doesn't win the G1, but he gets that title shot and he wins that first singles title. I felt like I would have been a little more, not happy for him, but, like, I, it, I don't feel like they, like, faltered out of the gate with him with that transitional championship, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, it seems like there was so much momentum coming off the never title win. It's like, all right, we're yeah. finally here because they had gotten so much heat on Tama and Tangaloa and Giotto in the build of that never title match. It was like, all right, finally some comeuppance. He has a belt now. We're off to the races, and then yeah, then you mentioned the Carl Anderson loses to Carl Anderson, drops the belt to him, and it's like, oh, we're kind of we're kind of and,
2: and where is Carl, by the way? Who's that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's an impact.
0: Is he a wrestler <laughs> in New
2: Japan? Yeah, but that title loss is back in May. It's August now. It's been three months.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> like, like
2: uh, are, is, are we going to have a rematch, or is someone is going to defend either tomorrow or the next day? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand why they shelved that title when you know Goto and Yoshihashi are in the tournament with the their Never Six Man
0: Ospreys. Has he not like been around? But it's he doesn't even like host anything company related on any level like yeah. via social media i don't listen to his podcast but like i don't imagine he's like check out this week on new japan strong strong open you,
2: usually usually rocky's <laughs> the one who does that because rocky's the office guy on the podcast
0: okay and, and then like carl's like yeah i, I work for them sometimes
2: <laughs> but, but that's the thing is that it's like you know they 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 set him up for success but then they yanked the carpet right out from underneath him right after he got the championship so it's like uh, i mean i am glad that they're finally giving him this push and giving him this opportunity especially now that you know lowe is on the shelf with his knee it's just one of those things where it's just like i i want the best for him and i want it to be more than just keeping jay from advancing to winning the g1 yeah i mean i need more after after the next two days
1: Yeah, I would think with this big win over Jay that he's in line for a fall uh, title match, whether that happens on the the Burning Spirit Tour in September or they do it King of Wrestling in October. I definitely think he's going to get one of those uh, fall defenses. I think that'll be a huge moment for him. And I think also with Tangaloa being injured, I think that kind of puts Tama out of World Tag League. So it might be a great opportunity to do a lot more single stuff of him in the fall and really get him hyped up and revved up for something big at Wrestle Kingdom. What are you talking about? Why? Why couldn't he be in World Tag League? You you, you want
2: Tag
0: with you, you
1: want him and Jado out there, bruh?
0: They dress it like. <laughs> what are you talking about?
1: I am not trying to watch. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's World Tag League. I'm not about? trying to watch ten Tama and Jado tag matches versus Kojima and Tenzan. No.
0: It doesn't matter. You're going to. No. What are you talking about?
1: Tama, Tama and Jato versus Goto and Yoshihashi. no. I think no,
0: that that it, is it, unlikely. It, it, that is super it, likely Tama to happen. Tama with a
2: young lion. Put, like, Fujita or or Obi-Wan with him. Like, just give him a young lion to go hang out with for a few months.
0: Nope. They're going to give him the master heater, the pin eater, <laughs> Jato. This is crazy. I don't know why you guys don't see the, the vision
1: because it, cuz it ain't a good vision. You just be
2: nearsighted, man. <laughs> like
1: like we're, we're we're all wearing glasses on this call and I I'm why not I'm not trying blockers,
2: to see. So I, why why your too?
1: um
0: <laughs> so <laughs> going back to Tamatanga, um, you know, the guy one th- with all the like upsets and the heat and the losses and him dropping the titles and all that. I think that that was all ultimately supposed to be culminating to like this group's been fucking with him and now he's getting his payback. You know what I mean? Which right. I'm glad that it, it it happened here and it wasn't just that one time where Hantai where won in a multi-man tag four months ago or whatever. I'm glad that this is the payoff and not that. Um, yeah. Tamatonga, his gear's been incredible. His promos are awesome. He's in incredible shape. This man is cut to shreds. Um, The one thing is, in the next... Well, he's already got a track record of having great matches with Okada. But, like, in order for him to take that next step, he does need to move into that role of being able to have those more epic New Japan House-style main events, which, like, on this night, it was good, it was fun, it was 13 minutes, but... On this tour so far, I haven't seen that truly great Tamatonga match yet. And we're at the point now where if they're going to start pushing him as a singles guy, we need to start seeing those. But I, I think he's showing that he has that in him. They just haven't given him the showcase just yet to truly do it.
2: I think the other thing is, isn't there, and this is more of my personal preference, is that I think... They need to wean him off of Giotto. because Giot, I mean, I understand the importance of Giotto as a as a second and as you know, you know, the guy that takes care of them. But he's starting to feel like a crutch. What's Jado
0: gonna do though? He needs to get a paycheck. <laughs> hey, <laughs> he
2: can set up tears and tear down the arena for all I care. I just, feel, I just feel like, like. When I think back to when the pandemic first started and, and Tama was on New Japan Strong and he he had mm-hmm. to, you know, wrestle in front of an empty arena, but he had to focus on the person in front of him and his task at hand. And he was really, really good then. But mm-hmm. the, that's the thing that's missing now is that he needs to be able to shut the arena, not the fans out, but like all the distractions at ringside to have be able to, to do... That big main event kind of matches Okada, because yeah, he has that win over Okada from last year. But how is he going to be better from last year to this year? How's it? What's going to be different in their match other than him possibly beating him again or possibly losing?
1: Right. right. But if it wasn't for Jado, he probably wouldn't have beaten Jay today, though, because Jado stopped Gato from interfering. But-
2: but again, that make that's a crutch. Like it, it's the same thing with, with with Jay. A lot of Jay's wins. I love Jay White when he is on his own and he is feral and dangerous. But with when half the matches are ghetto, getting in the way, I I space out. Like I just tune out after a while because I'm just like, this isn't Jay wrestling. This is theater.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, for match for I don't. I don't think you know there should be much Jado interference. Or I think. If that's in my main event or main event spot against Okada, I think he'll have that opportunity like we're talking about to really focus in just on Okada and have a great match.
0: Hypothetically, that should be true. Of course, you can't discount the idea that Bullet Club gets involved in the match. on. I was
2: going to ask about Mm. that. (laughs) Sour grapes.
0: And if they come in and they screw him out of his one opportunity, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Who knows what that might lead to down the line. I've also kind of considered like, I know it seems outlandish and no one else is expecting it. It's probably the least likely scenario, but like, what if Tamatanga just wins the fucking G One?
2: I'd be happy. Goes
0: and goes to the Tokyo Dome and fights his arch nemesis for the title. You know what I mean? Like that could happen. I don't know. <laughs>
1: I, again, I, I would lean more towards that in a pre-pandemic time, but with them still trying to you know. Get business back and have big main events. I don't. Evil won the world title. Two nights the dome again. <laughs> evil won the world title. I don't want to hear this. He wait, did, wait, but what? did they ever put him in the main Who event did of the dome?
0: It from, I don't remember. Somebody,
1: Naito.
3: <laughs> Naito. Oh, <okay. laughs> Mister Tokyo Dome himself. That
0: was years ago. I can't remember.
1: <laughs> but yeah, they, they never put evil. They never put evil in the dome main event though. That's true. So I love Tama, but since, I don't I don't think he's quite there yet.
0: Since we're on the discussion of Jay White, I'd like to say about this run. Um, for a lot of people, I think that this format of the G1 maybe wasn't as advantageous as the former format was for a variety of reasons. But for Jay White. I think that this might be his best G1 ever. Now, I think you could point to some individual matches in other G1s that might have been hypothetically better. Um, And you might even be able to point to like a cumulative star rating sort of thing and just say like, oh, in 2020 or 2019, he had a better G1. But what he got an opportunity to do here that he's never had an opportunity to to do before is he came in as the world champion. He got to wrestle six dudes. And he got to make all of them look like credible threats in six matches and make them look like stars before he put the majority of them down and almost went undefeated in the block, which is kind of what a heel champion's role is supposed to be. And if you think about it, he only had the one title reign. He only had a couple defenses before he dropped it to Okada. He's never had a run with this many singles matches as the champion. In a way, this was kind of a really impressive thing that we saw out of him in this, you know, past couple months.
2: I know that some people wanted him to win the G1 and be the one to pick his challenger. But, you know, it's one of those things like had Jay come into this G1 without the championship, I would have been like, all right, yep, it's the year of the J1. It's finally happening. But it's one of those things where it's like, Again, like you said, he, his previous reign with the the top belt was very, very short. He's had singles matches, but it's he really hasn't had many title defenses yet either. Because right. he got the belt right before the G1. And, you know, will he defend it at the Royal Quest in the UK? Will he defend it on any of the New Japan Strong shows in Vegas or whatever's coming up? We don't know yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Jay had a great, before, uh, you know, going outgoing here in this B block in the tournament, and like you mentioned, Josh coming in position as a champion. I think it let the door open for him just to really elevate other people in the block while also still getting him over as a champion. I'm very kind of curious to see what his faults, like you mentioned, Karen. Like, are we going to see a bunch of defenses in, in the UK and Burning Spirit and King of Pro Wrestling and I think he's advertised for some of the strong stuff, too. So kind of what the play is going to be just across the board there for him moving into the fall and and Wrestle Kingdom season. Uh, But overall, I think another kind of great, you know, storyteller in the tournament. And I love the story that they're telling, too, of him being the guy that really fails at the very last night. This is very reminiscent to when Ishii beat him in the last night in, in the G1 and stopped him from going forward. Jay's always getting to the spot where he's right there. All he has to do is win the last match, and he blows it.
0: Well, I mean, think about it. With Jay White, he's a guy that has cut corners his entire career and has used all these sneaky methods to get to where he's at, even though he's so clearly like one of the most talented wrestlers in the world, right? And that gets him so far. But he's never really walked out of a dome with the title. He's never really had a prolonged period as champion. He always does. He's never won a G1. He's never won a New Japan Cup. Uh, These are things that sort of still elude him. And I think it's down to the chicken shit way that they sort of portray him to a certain extent. And it it is interesting because for all he's accomplished, which is quite a lot in New Japan up to this point, and he is still very young there's a lot that he has not been able to overcome and that's a good storytelling device because he still has hurdles to you know overcome and surpass later on in his career it's not like it's all done at this point you know yeah
3: you
2: were just channeling everything i was thinking well done
0: (laughs) Well, you and- can
1: add to it.
2: No, 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 no. Like, it, it's one of those things where, you know, he's still very young, but there are, still are a lot of things that he hasn't accomplished. But that's my my same stance with Okada. is just like, oh, everyone's like, well, Okada's done everything. Jay's done everything. But ha- have they held the tag team titles with anyone? Right. Are they only ever going to be singles wrestlers? Like, it's one of those things, like, there's still many, many things that they have yet to complete to be a proper Grand Slam champion.
1: Right, I think yeah. It- and I mean... Oh go ahead, Jeremy. I was gonna say especially with a guy like Jay, I think kinda like we were talking about with Jonah earlier, I think there needs to be some accomplishments that you kinda used, that he still needs to achieve that you still want him there for. Because if you have him just win everything, he wins a G one, New Japan Cup, all in his first few years, then he could be like, you know what, I did it all. Let me go see what, you know, Triple H is offering, let me see what T K is offering and we already know he, he's a big star here in, in the States, and both companies could utilize Jay White and make him a, a, even a megastar. And so, to kind of hold back some stuff from him, I think is a very smart thing and kind of slowly kind of get him to the next level.
3: Well,
2: they need to do the same thing with Osprey then.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Wait, what do you mean?
2: They need to hold back some things for him because, you know, he's a he's multiple best, the super junior champion, he's a new Japan Cup champion, he's had crucial wins in the G1, he's another one that, should he keep going up further and further? And he's held the world championship. He's another one that could easily get snapped up should the right company come along here abroad.
0: That's true. But if you think about it, most of the things that, not all, but most of the things that Jay has been unable to accomplish, uh, Osprey's also been unable to accomplish outside of Winning the New Japan Cup. I mean, yeah. he's never walked out of a dome as champion, and he's never had a prolonged title reign, and he's never been seen as the top guy in the company on that level, like where the torch has been passed to him. He's never won a G1. So, I mean, there are still things for both of those guys. And it is an interesting It is interesting that you bring them both up because they are sort of the 1A, 1B of New Japan Gaijin's kind of filling that void that Kenny Omega left behind. And a lot of people are wondering who is going to step up into that role and be like the guy. And as of yet, I mean there really hasn't been anybody. I, I would almost maybe argue to a certain extent that uh Jay has kind of fulfilled that role a little bit more, but they're kind of like they, have, they kind of parallel uh like careers where they're sort of like rivals almost. Even though it's not it's, like mentioned ex- explicitly in the like fame of the company,
2: I, it's kind of like they just took like what Kenny Omega was and split it in half. Yeah, you have like mm. the babyface, popular, super duper flippy do woo hoopty doo dude, and that's Osprey. And then you have the heel, the, the 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 you know the catalyst of pro wrestling, the one that everyone's talking about, the one that shoots off his mouth. That's That's uh, a Jay White, and they've run. Parallel to each other, even though they're you know they've traded t- different title wins, different placements on the card, they they've been like two parts of the same the same item.
0: I was almost gonna say that, but I didn't want to like I didn't want to say that. But that is what I was thinking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so it sounds like we, we need Jay and Will to do a fusion fusion dance. Is what we're, what we're saying here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. I do think it's interesting, though, like I mentioned earlier, this block is pretty much a story. It was a two-man race, and almost everybody was like eliminated fairly quickly. The ones who were still alive last week got eliminated in short order just by losing to Jay White. Um, so, I mean, you had a lot of talented guys in this block who had a lot of good matches but just really weren't in play all throughout the tournament. You know, your Sonatas, your Tai Chi's great okan ishii um one thing too i didn't see this but apparently taichi cut some sort of promo on the last night after he lost where someone from another circle is like you need to see that promo like tell me what you think about it so i don't know if like it was a disheartening i mean did you guys catch that i don't know
2: no i, I I'm, I'm behind on backstage comments but i'll check check it out after
0: Yeah, I haven't had a chance to look at it, but they were like, they... Did he break it with
2: Abe Mijo again? Because he always does that when you're losing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it almost sounded like either, I'm going to just guess either like he was downtrodden and maybe sound like he's, you know, going to go on this like, uh, I don't know, like I'm sort of lost and I need to find myself storyline or this is going to reinvigorate me and now I'm like, gonna refocus my crew i don't know i have i guess i need to go and listen to it
2: he'll be fine he'll just hop on youtube and go make a, a, a rake in a whole bunch of super chats as he has <laughs> been doing
0: <laughs>
2: but maybe he goes on a journey to go find himself i mean he has zach right there he's got abe miho i'm sure he'll be fine
0: have you guys thought about dana you know a lot of people are like what about like suzuki Goon becoming taichi Goon or a saber Goon? what if like when he leaves it just becomes the dangerous techers and that becomes like an actual faction and not just a tag team. They could do that. I could see that like actually being a real thing that happens.
2: If that's the case, and this is me probably gonna upset a lot of people <laughs> if we're gonna do if we're gonna do dangerous techers, they need to poach Ren Narita.
1: Oh, and yes. bring him in. That'd be dope.
0: Yeah, i in favor of that. Absolutely. Especially because in the face he's got that like you should punch me face the same <laughs> way Tai Chi does. So yes, absolutely.
3: I was talking about from a wrestling standpoint, not a
0: punch me <laughs> in the face standpoint. No, they're, they're from the same claw. <laughs>
1: And and then for their for their entrance music, you have to have a cut of Milano just going
0: dangerous.
1: And then people
0: don't people <laughs> don't realize that like Renderita is literally the love child of Katsu Shibata and Tai Chi. Like that is what he is. He's their offspring. <laughs>
2: just don't just don't put blonde streaks in his hair. If somebody does, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold him down and cut his hair or color it or both. We're not we're not doing that. We're not giving him the skunk hairdo.
0: <laughs> I I really love Tai Chi and Okan doing uh Sumo for like the first five minutes of their match, yeah. Yesterday,
1: <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah, Okan trying to get him in his guard. and I love Jonah on commentary. Is like, Why is he want him in his guard so bad? Like, you can't, like, <laughs> or something you know, to
2: Spider Guard and <laughs> throttle him. That's
1: yeah. why <laughs> so you can't no trust Okan. Like, <laughs> when,
0: when I was in college, like, you know, um, MMA was like, it was big, I think, it was bigger than it is now. And like, um, I used to like tell my friends, be like, yeah, you want to see who's really tough? Get in my guard, bro. And, <laughs> and then I had a roommate who like took that to the next level and he's like, bro, come here, come get in my guard. And he'd like put his legs up in the air and he'd like get on his back. <laughs> it just became like a running joke for us. Like we would like challenge people in college like to fight us, but we would like lay on our backs and like start like guard playing and cooperating. <laughs>
2: are you doing? <laughs> are you a crab? Are you a, like, are you a turtle on your back? What's happening here?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just like a weird inside joke. Well, uh, you know, speaking of Ocon, I, I I'm a little bit disappointed in his point total and just kind of how I think he had very good matches, but uh, it's just one of those things where I don't know. We keep hearing that the the Ocon push is coming. That there's big things for Ocon in the future. He's getting yeah. over, but the booking is not quite there yet.
2: It's just one of those things where it's like, Oh, was another one that when certain people weren't able to get into the country, they had him at the forefront and, you know, giving him all the crazy pushes and he was even getting one like crazy push earlier this year. But now it's like, they've started pushing him to the background again. And I don't want him to be another one like Jeff, who's just regu- regulated, Relegated, relegated. That's the what I want. Yeah. To so the tag division, because he could be a singles wrestler if they give him the opportunity to be.
1: Yeah. And then another guy, Ishii, also, um, lots of rumors of this being his potential, his last G1. Um, and it, it counts up that way with the booking only here with, with uh, four points, eating a lot of losses. Um, ended up with a win over Sonata the last night, but you got a question, you know, one of the arguably, you know, best G1 wrestlers of all time. Could this be it for him?
0: That's true. But at the same time, I mean, I feel like we've, how do I say this in the last two years, he's definitely in my opinion, declined as far as his output. But at the same time, that output is so high. It's still better than the majority of the wrestlers in the tournament. (laughs) Right. So it's like, he's still so great. Um, I don't know. There's just a part of me that feels like he should have gotten a a real title run or a white belt run at some point. And the fact that it, probably is never gonna happen is kind of disgusting but at the same time i guess that's what makes the title special except for you put it on evil so i don't know man.
2: <laughs> then i'm ready for my iwgp us president tomohiro Ishii, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the 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 aew uh, top star tomohiro Ishii. <laughs> if, if they're not gonna put the top belt on him and they're not, I, he's had the never, he doesn't need the never for like the 18th time. Let him fight for the US championship.
1: Yo, Ishii should. on
2: and Tanahashi have held it, so it's been elevated.
1: Ishii should become the strong champion.
2: Oh, please.
1: And just hold that Ishi forever. <laughs> Ishii should leave and go to draggate Gate and have, <laughs> have high speed
0: matches.
2: I hope <laughs> and- oh, to Ishii all the dives.
0: <laughs> no, he would just be like the monster there. Like he'd be able to do like the Ishii big man offense. The
3: against, like... monster.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's already a monster with all these. I don't know why he couldn't be in the monster block this year. It would have worked.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh
0: man. Also, um, one last thought about the B block. What the fuck is going on with Sonata's facial hair? Like who told him it was an- a good idea to go back to what he's doing? Like, he he was ugly for so long and then he became handsome again. Now he's ugly again. Like
2: I, I don't know why he insists on bleaching his beard. I was okay when he grew the blonde bla- put the blonde back in. That's fine. Like you went, right. did platinum for a while, didn't work. But the blonde I'm fine with. But the beard, no. It's like it's between a not- his be- his blonde beard and Jay's patchy scraggly beard. I just want to hold them both down <laughs> and shave them. I
0: can't
2: stand either of those beards.
0: It's not just the fact that he has the blonde in the beard that's part of it, but it's also the fact that he's not grooming this beard in any no. way. like <laughs> man's a living um, wild. He looks like a blonde Ewok. Like what? But for fuck?
2: a man who's so fashion forward, you would think that he would be like he'd be like super like S tier. Grooming all the the things, and he's not like I want to fight his colorist. Like who who let him dye that beard like that? No, <laughs> where's his barber?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so we have a question here from Hawaiian Punch BV it says while watching the Tai Chi Taylor match, I can't help but think of a major plot hole. Why didn't the Eagles just take Taylor straight to the top of the G one? Also, <laughs> Samwise Gamgee or Jotto? Do you guys get that question? No, I'm a little confused.
2: It's a Lord of the Rings reference. It's a
1: Lord of the Rings question. It's stupid. Oh, so he's saying, <laughs> is he saying? it's he like saying like the uh, the Iron Fingers is like precious or something?
0: No, no, no. So like, there's a plot hole in Lord of the Rings where like they send Frodo to take the ring to Mordor to drop it into the volcano or whatever. <laughs> But they could have just had the eagles that come and keep bailing them out all throughout the movie. Like, why didn't they just, like, have those eagles carry the them to Mordor? Carry. And then just have them drop the fucking ring in the, you know, it, it could have been over in, like, 30 minutes, basically. Like, it didn't,
1: it didn't have to be three movies. Oh, man. I,
0: I don't know why he's asking this about Tamman tai chi but okay
2: um, unless they're that they're supposed to take the iron fingers and drop them into a volcano somewhere
0: hey maybe that is what he was thinking like it is like the precious maybe you yeah. were maybe you're on the same wave yeah Jeremy.
2: but it's it's if i have to it's on the picking samwise or uh, a I'm i'm more of a mary and pip girl honestly
1: all right, moving on to the C block here. So we have Tetsuya Naito, like we mentioned, coming in the top with eight points. tie with Zack Sabre Jr., also with eight points. Then we had Hiroshi Tanahashi and Hiroki Goto, Kenta and Evil, all coming in with six points. And then Aaron Hanare coming down, holding the block down with two points.
2: I, I feel like Hanare could have had one more win in this block. I feel I feel bad for him because he's at the dead bottom with, like, one
0: win. Yeah, you, you were complaining earlier about them giving too much to these guys. Okay, I, I'm right there with you. We don't want to spoil Henario. We we need to set some boundaries for him. Okay, he gets one <laughs> it's win. been
2: six years, man. Like he he's waited. He's done his time. No, <laughs> no, nope,
0: nope. six years. He gets one win in the G1 next year. I don't know. Maybe he'll get two. I don't know. We'll see. <sighs> Depends on how he behaves over the next you know 12 months.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was something we kind of talked about on the preview show. It's like. How many wins is Hanari really gonna get in this block? Like they they put him in there with Naito, with Saber, with Tanahashi, with Goto, Kenta. Like he was in here with some top stars. He did, he did get the one big win over Tanahashi um, at the beginning of a tournament. Tanahashi
0: doing God's work.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> I, I but I will say though I I did think Hanari looked very good. I thought he had a lot of very good matches. He had the intensity. He had the the great strikes. Like he looked good. I think in all of his tournament matches. Just think He just couldn't get the, the W, and, you know, hopefully Hanare's in a G1 again because I think he's a, a solid, you know, New Japan roster mid-carder guy who can have a very good match with anybody. And I think, you know, we've waited so long to see him kind of break out. Um, you know, I know there's been injuries, there's been pandemics, but I think he's finally kind of really hit the cusp of what he's going to be in New Japan with the gimmick of his wrestling style, so I really want to see more of him in the future in roles like this.
0: Well, you know, back in uh, the WWE days, they used to call The Undertaker the best pure striker in WWE. Well, that's what Hanari is. He is the best pure striker in New Japan pro wrestling. Like, I don't care about the wins, the losses. This guy went out there and kicked ass every single night, and like, whether he won or lost, like he was leaving a mark on all of them boys. Like all of them old heads, Goto, Kenta, Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr. He was fucking those dudes up. And he was like, I might not win, but you're going to remember the night you wrestled Hanari. <laughs> <laughs> and like, um, if hypothetically, let's say it is Ishii's like last G1, there's a role for a guy like Kanari to possibly step into in the next like couple years, maybe even next year. Who knows?
1: Yeah.
2: I'd like to see Hanari in the never division.
1: Yeah, I think he, he's perfect for that. Uh, I mean, you know, also in this block, the ace, Tanahashi, for a long stretch here, it looked like the ace was going to do it again, <laughs> that he was going to get another G1 block win. He was getting all these flash wins and, um, you know, outlasting evil, you know, all, all shenanigans, like Tanahashi was doing it. Um, But then... I- Go ahead, Josh.
0: I didn't get a chance to mention this last week on the show, but when I wanted to mention that Kevin Kelly's call during the Evil and Tanahashi match at the end, where he like completely throws all of his um, what's the word when you like don't want to sh- all his favoritism, like and all his professionalism, he just threw that to the side and like he literally became a marker Tanahashi <laughs> at the end, and he was like, "Come on, he needs us." He needs us. <laughs> and I was like, this sometimes it'd
2: great- be like that, man.
0: It's one of the greatest calls in the history of New Japan. Like, since I've been watching New Japan in English, I, I can't remember a call that-, that I liked that much where he's like, he needs us.
1: <laughs> it-, it felt like that Dragon Ball Z moment. We all seem to lift our hands and just, you know.
0: <laughs> that is literally what I was thinking. Give of. our energy like, for a spirit bomb. bomb. Give, me- <laughs> give, me- give me your energy. <laughs> Yeah, when we left the show last week, Tanahashi, I think, was either leading the block, or close to leading the block, and then you know, he faltered down the stretch. Um, and you know, Kenta beat that ass. Like I knew he was going to. And you know what? As much as I'm a big fan of Tana as much as Tanahashi's like my favorite New Japan guy, I was rooting for Kenta to like get that come up. Like he took he took months off this man's career, maybe years, who knows, like long term. And like he's got marks on his body like he need to get his uh his win back and he did
2: <laughs> when they pulled out that table i was like no we're not we're not doing this again guys we, we did this in january you're so both of you have supposedly learned your lesson that we're not supposed to do this men in your 40s stop <laughs> And then he just takes the table and just says, you know what? forget it, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do a we're not gonna do a power bomb. we're not gonna do a suplex. I'm just gonna pick you up or pick the table up and belt you in the face with it. And those tables, like the table just like bounced off of Tanitashi's head. And I'm like, why protect your noggin, sir? <laughs> like the hair, the face. I like the aesthetic. Like, try to keep it on one piece, please. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that that was yeah, a crazy matchup there. And I, I thought, yeah, Kenta, you know, he was going for blood. He was trying to get revenge from Wrestle Kingdom. He was going to, you know, mess the ace up. And uh, he tried that. He brought, brought the table out. He didn't put Tana through the table. He didn't, you know, throw, throw it at his face. So, uh, but yeah, Kenta able to get a little bit of revenge there on Tanahashi from the G1. Also, Kenta did a great job of, you know, promoting his book for this tour.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. Also I hate
2: how much of a back order that book is on. You can't get it anywhere. I'm yeah, so salty.
0: <laughs> okay. As much as you hate it, like you hate that because you can hypothetically actually read it and understand it. Uh it doesn't matter how much of a back order it's on, even if I had it, I'm still not going to understand it. It's gonna be it's gonna take years for like me to get an English like translation to even read that. The the way the Nakamura book took forever. So for me, it's like half a decade away
2: <laughs> let see the faster i have it the faster i can translate it and be like hey young boy i think i might have some some information that might be up your alley
0: no i was uh lectured about not taking um translations without paying for them i don't i don't do that sort of thing,
2: you have know? you a birthday coming up don't you
0: <laughs> oh man um there's a lot I just loved about this block. Like I know it was a lot of guys that have worked together a bunch and we've seen forever, but like, I don't know. Everyone felt so reinvigorated, bro. Kenta, not just, um, you know, like you mentioned, he did great with the book, but you know what he did great in this tournament? Slapped the fuck out of people in, in like multiples. He was just like, bah, 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 bah. And then he would drop people and just hit him with a knee. Like, kenta's always been good in new japan but like i don't know this felt like the most even though like the point totals don't tell a story of like okay the reinvigoration of kenta but like this felt like kenta from noah just coming in and just hurting people and not caring anymore this is a far cry from hideo itami and this isn't even like the the kenta that came back in 2019 like this is a guy who i think maybe is realizing like Maybe I shouldn't be doing death matches, and maybe I don't need to keep up with this New Japan style. Maybe I should just kick and punch and elbow and fuck people up, because, like, that's what he's doing, and it's kind of awesome.
2: One of the things I liked from his Tanahashi match is, like, you know, I always get really bitter about, like, the voluminous number of rough bumps that Red Shoes apparently likes to—that he enjoys taking— but yeah. when ta- when he ducked and Tanahashi just swatted red shoes across oh the gosh. ring, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I was like, bro, make sure he's not bleeding. Cause, I, cause you know, after Tanahashi had swapped at uh, swatted at Goto last week and Goto ended up having to get stitches. I'm like, Hope red shoes is okay. <laughs> but it's just one of those things like with Kenta, it's just like this is the Kenta that I think while he was out, he had to uh reevaluate. His fight style, and reevaluate how he's going to move forward if he wants to continue having a long career. Mm-hmm. So it's the you know I don't think he, he wants to. He'll tease a table drop, but I'm I'm fairly certain he's not going to try and do that any again anytime soon.
0: I think the deal is he lengthens his career by trying to shorten everybody else's. I think that's the game plan. <laughs> I
2: mean,
3: if
0: it works. <laughs> You know this block might actually, if you think about it in hindsight, it wasn't labeled this way. We never talked about it, but now that I'm looking at it and just looking at the totality of what occurred, this is the never block. Even like Tanahashi, bro, he like bloodied the fuck out of Goto in their match. Like, oh yeah, that pops right. Were, yeah, Zach, the only person who wasn't having like never wars was probably Naito. Everybody else, including Evil, like was out there swing it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think
2: they were just trying to keep Naito in the tournament. Like, they were all, like, intentionally letting him just do what yeah. he does so he can finish the G1 this year. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, but overall, I did think Naito had a, a very good tournament, uh, had a lot of really he did. Uh, solid matchups all throughout the tournament. And obviously there was, you know, we, we talked about earlier with the Sabre match, there's some protecting there and want to make sure he's good for you know The semifinals match But overall I thought he had a lot of really uh, Fun matchups The uh, Tanahashi match, the Goto match The, the Kenta match um, Were all very good matches The evil match which I know a lot of people Are probably surprised that we're praising An evil match but I, I enjoyed the, the evil Naito match and that was Pretty wild with that uh, Table spot and <laughs> Naito almost killing Emo with that pile driver through the table So Naito really fun Tournament and I think Very interesting seeing him win the block here and going forward.
0: Well, what was you know kind of predictable, but also um you know satisfying is that Naito was able to fulfill that Gato story arc where he started off with a couple big losses in the beginning. He had to fight his way from underneath. He's the only guy in the tournament that really had to come from behind and wasn't really in play until the final day and then was able to solidify his spot and you know at the end it was kind of a deciding match between him and zach and considering all the history they have going back to even just this past new japan cup um it it all kind of made sense but uh yeah i I do think he had a, a really good tournament at the same time though there wasn't that classic naito performance on any of those nights and i'm wondering like okay he's got osprey next and then probably okada uh if he wins like I think this is where we're going to see like classic Naito come out and you know break out all the like big big match performance spots, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: I think again, I just think he's been like kind of keeping everything in the tank just to make sure mm-hmm. that he finishes as he wants. <laughs> yeah. Because they, ta- they keep talking about on commentary, you know, that he mentioned that when he turns 40 that he was going to retire and that, you know, he's missed a lot. he had this promise with the Okada to make that dash for the dome one last time. He's not so 40? The- Pardon? He's not 40? Yeah, he is. He turned 40 in June.
0: Okay, well then, yeah, then he should be done. I don't even know why he's in this tournament.
2: <laughs> to win the briefcase... To go to, to 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 and in the in the in between somehow, Okada's going to get the belt off of Jay. I don't know how that's going to work, but anyway, because him him and Okada and Naito have that date for the dome, so that's how you yeah, guarantee who, the bell out, at least. Who
0: know, Well, there's probably gonna be five nights of wrestling camp this year, so who
1: knows? <laughs> 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 Quadruple dome dash.
2: <laughs> if they have at least, well, then in that case, have it, have at least two of those days. If not all four of them on the weekends, don't have it on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, because J- people in Japan don't take their PTO. They they will go to work on the first day of work is usually that first Monday after New Year's. So if they want We're sellouts, actually, they gotta sell. They gotta move. Either hope that the country's open to bring in as many foreign travelers as possible, or they need to consider finding a day where they could s- theoretically have a bigger gate.
0: It's gonna be called the Pentadome. I meant to... Five nights of Wrestle Kingdom and on the fifth night, whoever is the IWGP world champion fights Pentagon Jr. The <laughs> night.
2: And they're gonna unveil a new belt. It's gonna be shaped like a Pentagon.
0: Yeah. They're actually gonna the take- be-
2: like, all the other versions of the belt and all the different quadrants.
0: Well, they're gonna hold the strong title, the US title, the IWGP world title, um, the junior the belt, and the never title, all five, the penta
3: crown <laughs> or
2: or the also the iwgp women's championship and they're just gonna put it on Mayu batani and she's gonna be your penta champion yeah. She's just gonna win everything <laughs> all the belts
0: <laughs> yeah that makes sense Oh my God. um also a couple guys that i was just very impressed with zach was incredible i think he was the mvp of the block you know as far as i can tell just off the top of my head i haven't done like you know numbers, but it just seems to me that he was probably the MVP. But um, if he wasn't, the other guy that might be is Hiroki Goto.
3: Yes, which like
0: Goto is always, you know, he's always that guy. Is, where it's like he doesn't get as much as he deserves. There's so much left in the tank. Why don't they push him? Yada yada yada. And we all, we've heard that for years, but this is the first time in so long where it's like this feels like the Goto before he was in chaos. Like the guy that was like this Ronin warrior that was like, you know, chasing the IWGP title. He felt like that guy. Again, he was out here like murking people. Like he was awesome.
1: Yeah. Goto was very impressive in the tournament and yeah, kind of, you know, harking back the old days of kind of that earlier push he was getting. And even when he came back from, you know, training in LA with Shibata like this was like a no not as goto You know the whole thing you know there's the whole you know The G and G1 stands for he He's like you no know, I'm not saying That this early in the tournament I'm not saying it until I start winning and I feel like Him taking his focus off of that saying Really allowed him to kind of flourish And be impressive and Get some um, big wins And do pretty well in this block So any other Thoughts on C block
2: it might be my favorite block of the
0: tournament, honestly. I think, I think ultimately it's my favorite block of the tournament as well. And I think that I can't prove this because I think next next week we'll do like the full retrospective on the tournament. But I think when you like look at it from a match quality standpoint, it's probably going to be the, the most superlative block of the whole tournament. Which a lot of people told us it would be and we denied that, you know, when we first started the, uh, our G1 preview, but we were wrong.
3: <laughs> you were
0: wrong. <laughs> uh no, I mean me and Jeremy. I'm not including Karen. <laughs> not in the
2: collective collect. we, not the we 3.
0: Karen, anything we say on this show is fully representative of anything Karen Peterson already like That's gave. absolutely incorrect. <laughs>
3: Even
0: when she's not here, like if you No, no,
2: us, absolutely not. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, let's move on to the D block now. We had uh, Will Ospreay winning the block with eight points, and then we had...
0: Ruining the block is what you mean. He (laughs) ruined the seven-way chaos project.
1: Operation chaos project, whatever. Operation
0: chaos.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so he he, ruined it. Yeah, he ruined a seven-way tie by beating Jews, so he wins the block, eight points, and you had Finley, Shingo, Yujiro, Yoshihashi, and ELP all with six points, and then... Rock hard, Juice Robinson coming in bottom there with only four points.
0: That's so baffling. That is one of the most baffling decisions of the entire tournament. Um, not Osprey winning it. I Although, you know what? I'll say this. I think Osprey winning the block and going to face Naito in a first-ever matchup, while I'm not upset about it, I'm glad we're getting it that's baffling to me too. That just feels like a Tokyo dome level match. And Hey, I mean, I don't know. We got Naito and Kenny in a, um, you know, in a block final before. So that was a first time match that felt like it should have been in a dome too. And it wasn't. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they're trying to recapture some of that magic and do the same thing here. But uh, I was kind of surprised by that, that it wasn't Shingo. And Ned. Same. I, I,
2: I, I had all my chips in on Shango, and like for for Osprey and Naito, they're making such a big deal about it being a first time ever match that if that were the G1 final, I could mm-hmm. understand the hype for it. Or if it was like you know a Dominion main event or a Tokyo Dome show match, that I would get. But for the for like the D block, I mean for the uh, the semifinal, I guess. But for me, like, the bigger money match is the story of Naito having to fight his own mem- his, the, his own people, which he doesn't get to do that often. So, I mean, I figured Osprey was going to come out on top, even though I was pulling for Yoshihashi and David <laughs> Finley because they both had very strong showings in this G1 with a lot of crucial wins o- over Shingo and Osprey.
1: You know, Josh, you were quick to point out me being wrong about JY. You, you were right about this. Yes, I I want to say I was right in the preview show. I said <laughs> it was going to be Osprey and Naito in the C versus D semi-final match. I think they're they're going to bite the bullet. They're going to pull the trigger, do the do the big Naito Osprey match here. Uh, you know that they, they need some drawing cards for these last few nights of the G1. So it made total sense. Uh, I think and with the, just the trajectory that Osprey is on right now, I felt like it made all sense in the world. And I, I'm looking forward to the matchup. Uh, as far as Osprey's like performance in the tournament, Aussie still one of the top performers in the block and in the whole tournament. But I do feel like it was sort of a a down year for him, um, just kind of compared to previous tournaments. I mean, he still had plenty of four star matches, but when you just look at just how high his match quality just normally is, even the year he's had, he's had a phenomenal year this year across New Japan, Rev Pro, AEW, wherever else, you know, GCW, Warrior Wrestling. He's had a great year. So I I was expecting a little bit more high-end matches from him this year.
0: Well, how come if that's the way you feel about things when I'm having arguments with James Boyd in the group chat and I say something like, you know, Will Osprey's had a down tournament. You don't come to my aid and help me and back up and verify what I'm saying because you I say it on the air.
1: Because I just like to w- watch you and James argue.
0: We're not arguing. <laughs> we're just discussing. that, you know, I would I would appreciate your input. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you got to fight your own battles, young boy. He can't do it for you.
0: Oh, I'm super combative. So I mean. <laughs> Jeremy, do you have any like more confrontational friends than me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that you're you're, comp, uh, that you're confrontational. I'll just say like I feel like you have very 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 strong opinions on everything. On everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no! Um, but yeah, I do agree. Um, I do think Will Osprey had a bit of a down tournament. But when you're having you know nonstop classics in most G ones, and then you turn around and have probably I don't know let's say a four star average in this year's G1 it just kind of speaks to how like how superlative your tournaments typically are of course i think the high mark for me so far in the tournament has been him and shingo i think that was still even this week the the best match of the tournament so we you know that's great but it did feel weird like osprey was sort of in limbo he, you know, going into the final night was like poised to be on a three and three record if he didn't win and being the US slash UK champion, that seemed kind of weird. Um, the fact that him and Juice came in with all this heat at the beginning of the tournament and then they watered it down between now, between the start of the tournament, and the time it actually happened and how convoluted the whole US title scene seemed between him and I don't know. Every, the the booking of this block was very strange to me, to say the least. And, um, I mean, I guess it makes sense that Will ended up being the final guy, but the way they got there was uh, kind of weird. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. The booking was very weird in this block, especially because, I mean, maybe they're just trying to throw us off a scent because I think from day one we we're, were all like, this is the Osprey Shingo block. Like These two guys are going to be like, the last two guys they're going to be alive and they're going to be the top, you know, block leaders and stuff like that. And yes, Osprey did end up uh being a block leader, but it wasn't quite the way that we thought we would get there. And like you mentioned, the the booking of Juice Robinson definitely just the whole his whole tournament super confusing and not and I don't know if the the plans with his like appendicitis and him dropping the belt um you know messed up what they were planning for this tournament. But what the, it, what the fuck
0: is going on with this? Why has he got four points, and why is he at the bottom of the block? This makes no sense.
1: Yeah, with this whole new push and the whole rock card gimmick turning heel, being Bullet Club, feuding with Osprey and stealing the but belt. But not really. Yeah, like, the, the feud's over. Like, Osprey beat this man, got the belt back again. Um. So, yeah, I, I don't understand what, what they're doing with Juice here. It seems like he almost ended up worse than when he was flamboyant. Juice Robinson he's
0: he ended up the same like th- he's two and four in the tournament that's exactly what you would have expected from him before he resigned from the comp with the company and, and had the title run and the title run quote unquote I don't know it's just like listen I'll just put it to you this way Yujiro Takahashi should not be
1: finishing the tournament
0: higher than Juice Robinson that's no. all you know, yeah that should say it all right there
1: yeah I, I I don't know what what the issue is here what's going on with Juice or what the plans What are your are.
0: thoughts, Karen?
2: Well, I, I agree completely. My my thing about Yujiro is that you know, he's he's a long time or he's been there a long time and he has six points. If you're going to give Yujiro Takahashi six points, put Show in there instead and give <laughs> Show six points.
0: <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm in favor of that. Uh,
2: you know. <laughs> I mean, Yujiro's a lovely guy. I but it's one of those things where it's just like with all of this pomp and circumstance they had with Juice about the big dramatic him leaving, him, you know, coming back and throttling Tanahashi, the whole US championship thing. I expected more. Yeah. I I I, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised that they, you know, they entrusted David Finley this tournament and his first tournament since joining the, you know, finally graduating seven years ago, and he's been waiting. But Phantasmo is a debutant in this tournament, and he had a better G1 than Juice has, and Juice has been in the tournament for years now. It just doesn't make... The math doesn't make sense to me.
1: Juice went from beating Tanahashi, Osprey, and Moxley in the same night to coming in the bottom of the block of a G1 below Yujiro Takahashi, below Yoshihashi. Like, and I love Yoshihashi, but... He had a good
2: tournament. Yoshihashi had a great (laughs)
1: tournament. But from a kayfabe perspective,
2: Juice Robinson
1: should be finishing before Udrow, before Yoshihashi, before ELP.
0: Yeah, very, very interesting, the whole Juice conundrum. Now, they did take the title. So, you know, for people maybe that you're not caught up, Juice was originally the U.S. champion. He had to drop the belt due to appendicitis. In the interim, Will Ospreay ended up winning that belt. But Juice never actually gave them the physical title. So he came into the tournament with the physical belt. And he was making the claim that I never lost this title in the ring. I'm still the real champion. Well, in the midst of the tournament, he loses a singles match to David Finley, his former partner. David Finley takes physical possession of the belt. And the whole thing with Juice and Will Osprey facing off on the final night to determine who's the real champion is kind of out the window. Well, on the, in between all that, Will Ospreay does end up uh, defeating David or no, he loses to David Finley, but David Finley gives him the the belt back. And on the second to last night on the undercard, juice Robinson and the bull club, they jump Will Ospreay and uh, United Empire members. They take possession of the belt back. So they, like, kind of retconned everything and still had Juice come in with the belt anyways. And then he still lost. So, like, you know, how we – on the show, there have been many times where I've been, like, Yo's a hoe. Juice Robinson's a hoe, bro. Like, he got hoed this entire tournament. He dropped, like, more losses than, than anybody else in the tournament. Like, he's clearly not, like, the U.S. champion. I don't even think he should be in the conversation for being able to get another title shot for who knows how long. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's weird.
2: Yeah, it's just one of those things where I had very high expectations for what they were doing with Juice. And then I. It, the interesting thing is that Osprey is now in the position that Shingo was last year when Shingo was world champion. Because Osprey had to vacate the title. But he kept his title and went home. And he had this whole you know six-month story arc where he was refusing to be in the G1, fighting in lines, defending his title, which led to Russell Kingdom they're not going to put the US championship at the headline of Russell Kingdom. So I don't know if they're going they're fixing to sort all of this out in the next 72 hours or if this is going to lead into either the, the US shows in September or Burning Spirit fighting spirit whatever they're doing the next US strong set of tapings are.
1: Yeah, I mean hopefully they they do something because yeah, this is a very I mean, the U.S. title, we've talked about it pretty much every week, like, this, that belt just needs it needs something, and uh, it, it seems that like they've been trying to get a stable champion, do something cool for them, and there's been injuries, and, you know, sicknesses, and all kinds of stuff that's been happening with that belt, and now you have it's this... It's cursed title. It, it, yeah, it's very cursed. The whole hot potato thing now, and people stealing the belt, and the champion not having the belt, it's, it's, it's a whole hot mess, and so I hope going forward this can kind of get cleared up.
0: Um... I want to talk about El Fantasmo. Um, He defeated Shingo Takagi today, and uh, that was the win that basically uh, disqualified Shingo from potentially winning the block. Um, during the post-match commentary today, uh, El Fantasmo has announced that he is officially a heavyweight coming off that win over former world champion Shingo Takagi. So, I mean, this is a guy that um, last week, only had two points, didn't look, I mean, he still had matches ahead of him, but didn't look like he had a shot and was basically alive going into the final night, ended up three and three and had things shooken out a different way. He might've wound up in that seven way tie scenario. But um, beyond that, ELP was like really impressive to me, especially like that Shingo match. There was one sequence where it was like dived to the outside roll back in, up to the ropes. Asai moonsault, roll back in, you know, boom, boom. Like, he was just doing, like, flip after flip after flip after flip. And, like, I know that, like, some people are like, oh, I don't like spot fest. But there's a certain point where, like, when someone's doing that many spots on that sort of level with that sort of proficiency, like, just boom, 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 and that timing, it's just like, this guy's a fucking when it comes to athletics. Like, what are we looking at here? Like, he might, like, low-key... I know he's always been, like, a great high-flyer, but, like, is ELP the best, like, aerialist in all of, like, New Japan and maybe wrestling right now that, like, I didn't realize it?
2: I think he leans so heavily into the heel shtick that you right. forget that he's a quality wrestler. Like, seeing him in this G1 specifically, it reminded me of elp and rev pro and the uk mm-hmm. scene before he got signed because he was fighting open way he was fighting heavyweights he was fighting everybody and mm-hmm. he was do- the, the, he was doing the things that got him signed and he like dialed down the heel the the the, the goofy shtick stuff so it, it like i think also with the recent acquisitions of ace austin and uh chris bay over the last two years Bullet Club has so many juniors now, they have five. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't need five.
0: Well, they more, they got ghetto. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the only thing that makes ghetto a junior is his height. Let's
3: be
0: his honest. Junior. <laughs>
2: <laughs> his height. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's just like if if he's graduated to the heavyweight class, good for him. I mean, after this G1, I don't see wi- even though he never held the singles heavyweight championship for the, for the juniors, he, he is a multiple time, you know, super J cup winner. He's been a tag champion like four or five times. Like he, there isn't really anything else for him to do in the junior division. I say that why? I mean, I also said that about Kushido and guess where Kushida is. But anyway, I, I think, I think people got reminded of who ELP was during this tournament. And I found, it, I found him refreshing. Yeah. This version of ELP would be refreshing.
1: Yeah, I thought he was a great addition into the tournament. Majority of his matches were, like you guys mentioned, very go-go-go, doing all the high spots. Only the juice match at the very beginning. It was the, pretty much the only match that kind of had like the ha-ha kind of bull club stuff, and then but that match turned violent very quickly. Uh, but yeah, ELP, I thought he was great. I think he's going to be a great addition to uh, the heavyweight division. And yeah, just really proving why he should be a heavyweight. And I think going forward, I think it's going to shake some things up in bull club. Because now, like you mentioned, there's a lot of juniors, also a lot of heavyweights. So seeing if he's going to remain in that bull club. Because you mentioned prior, when he was in Rep Pro, he was a face when he first
2: yeah, got recognized
1: great. by New Japan. So could this, could we be seeing... Uh, A slow turn eventually, but whatever it is, um, um, I feel like
2: Jay would turn before (laughs) Elp would at this rate. Let's be honest.
1: Listen,
0: I um, I can't prove this, but I I just believe it in my heart of hearts. I think Yoshihashi might be the MVP of of deep block. Let's go! Let's go! And if he's not, we're talking about like margins of percentage points when it comes to like match quality like we're talking about yoshihashi being in the same conversation as top performer as elp shingo takagi and will Ospreay, and i think he might hype there might be an argument he is the top performer of the d block
2: absolutely
1: yeah uh yoshihashi was just that constant Just solid dude, every match is going out there going as hard as even with the the shoulder injury, uh, being all taped up. This man was still out here throwing the hardest chops in the whole tournament, like you mentioned, Josh. That that Western lariat, knocking people's heads off with that, uh, drilling people with the karma. Like, yeah, Yoshihashi was just running hard in this tournament. Oh,
0: and he fucked up Dave Finley's run, yeah, he did, (laughs) yeah. Dave Finley was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go into the last night and just skatewalk into this. And Yoshi Ashley's like, hold this. Wow.
1: <laughs> Got that flash also, pin Finley, on him.
0: That's another guy who, um, you know, I don't know. I, I feel kind of mixed on the whole David Finley thing, like, because I don't know. I feel, okay, so here's my thing. A lot of people tune into the G1 who don't follow the product as closely as, say, like your diehards like us, like people that watch it all the time. And I think we've always known how talented David Finley is. Like, that's never been in question for most fans. Like, we know he's very talented. And at the same time, him having four star level matches isn't really something that is moving the needle for me. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like I need to see more out of him than just your he went out there with osprey and he went out there with you know um juice guys that he's very comfortable with and having a great match because i've seen him do that with jay white and it didn't make a difference three or four years ago when that happened do you know what i mean yeah but i feel like for some more like casual new japan new japan fans who are tuning in they're like where has this David Finley been? I didn't know about this. He is great. And so it's like, there's like a dichotomy there. Like there's like a breakup where I'm like, he's always been here and he's always been great. Maybe it's just because he hasn't had the platform. Maybe it's the same argument as Sonari. I don't know.
2: With Finley, the other problem that he he has, especially when him and Juice were tagging together, when they were in Hontai together, they were the happy-go-lucky plucky baby faces. They were the goofy, let's have fun guys. And they were the ones that ultimately ate a lot of losses. and they weren't they both weren't given the platform that Osprey or Jay White were given or you know, and they've had to claw and scratch and scrape. and you know, like like I said earlier, took Finley seven years to get in the G one.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: and there have been people that have came, come into the company after him that got catapulted over him. So yeah. it's it's one of those things that's like I think not that we're taking Finley for we've taken Finley for granted. It's just that, and not that we have low expectations, but it's it's just that. I think this is the starting point for him. So while we 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 may have our like our crusty old veteran, you know, we we watch it all the time. Hats on, <laughs> we we got to kind of like we got to kind of dial that back just a little bit and and look at it out of the lens as this is his first G one. Yeah, and. He compared to other people who have had first G ones or re, re, multiple G ones. He had a good G one for his first G one. He's not walking out with two points.
0: Yeah, I yeah mean, it, it could have. It could have easily been worse.
2: Yes, but he also did get some good. He had some credible wins. He beat Osprey.
1: Yeah, I think Finley had very good matches. I think all of the mechanics were there. Also he's a very skilled in ring performer, and the you know he has the psychology. He has the moves. I think we saw that, especially against guys like Osprey and you know ELP and stuff like that. But for me, I don't know. I feel like the word coming to my mind is just like bland. Like there's just like yeah. something, there's just something missing. Like there's that that fighting spirit, that fire that's just not quite there. He just comes out, and to me, like you know the, the old saying, a jag just a guy. Like to me, Finley comes out. It's just a guy rocking, wearing a shillelagh, and like I'm just like. Like, why should I invest in Finley? Where's the fire? Where's the excitement? Where's that next level? And like you mentioned, Karen, he's kind of been the same guy for a while now. Like, where's, like, the the attire change? Where's the look change? Like, where, like, a shillelagh is not going to cut it. Well, like
0: but Jeremy, think about this. Remember when he was on the shelf for all that time? and He came back, and he had the new physique, and he did have a new look. It might not be a new look to us now, but it was a new look then. And they had him come out, and he was going to feud for the U.S. title with uh, Archer. Archer and yeah. We were like, we were like, okay, let's go. It's finally time. And that was two years ago, and we were, or maybe it was three years ago. I don't. Know. That, that was might like pre-pandemic.
2: And
0: we were like, okay, it's finally time for for Finley. Let's do this. And like, if you go back and listen to those episodes, we're we're high on him. And then it was like, and then he got beat and then he got beat and then he got beat. and then we we're like, all right, maybe we uh, maybe we put this hype deep down into a box that we uh, never talk about. We throw it in the ocean right <laughs> well,
2: that's that's part of the problem that New Japan has. And I say that this from a a place of love is that they have a tendency to find the people that they're gonna back and they're gonna push. and they put they they go all in on these this handful of people. Almost the detriment of the people who are in the same class with them. So it's like, you know, Jay and Juice and uh, finley they all came through the dojo together, but, you know, they all went on excursion around the same time they all came back. Who got the rocket strapped to them? Jay did. So they've been trying to play catch-up ever since then. It's like the same thing everyone always says, is that, you know, Hiroki Goto had it really hard because who was in his class? Tanahashi. Mm. So it, it's that same thing where, you know it might feel like more of the same for him for him right now. But I think he also needs to figure out who he is outside of juice because they've been so closely connected the last five years of their career together.
0: Well, there was that one story recently um, that, oh, Tanahashi put it in his like weekly blog where he, uh, they were getting ready to send Naito off for excursion and he's sitting down with Naito. They're having a heart to heart. Naito's drunk. And he's like, None of this matters. This place is going to be Okada's anyways. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, and, and the thing is that, you know, if you end up being that that poor dude that, that ends up being in the class with someone that they're going to, that's going to be the next big thing, it sucks because, you know, you have to work four times as hard to get a fraction of the recognition. And, you know, N- N- Naito and Okada, that's another example. So it's one of those things where it's just like, I feel for them. But I'm hoping that now that the company, you know, you know, they're starting, they're starting to give Naito more losses, they're starting to give Tanahashi more losses, that they're starting to think about the not just the immediate future of the company, but who's going to be in that those hot seats five years from now.
0: Right. Well, the one good thing, he's got a title shot lined up for Osprey uh, down the road, and who better if you're in the midst of a hot run? who better to be the foil to potentially maybe make you look good. So, I mean, there is that kind of hope there. Plus, like you guys mentioned, pretty big wins. I mean, when you're in a tournament and you're leading the block and you beat Shingo and Osprey, that can't hurt, you know? Right. Also, I guess we should, to close it out, I mean, we pretty much talked about everybody, but we didn't talk about Shingo Takagi. And, I mean, were you guys surprised about shingo's output in this tournament i feel like he kind of had a little bit of a down tournament as well kind of like osprey like it was still good but i mean compared to some of his g1s it just didn't feel like vintage shingo you know
2: i think after carrying the company for half of 2021 he deserves to have an off year to be perfectly honest it's fine shingo will be fine
0: yeah oh i believe he'll be fine i mean He's probably like a top five wrestler in the world and maybe top like who knows, twenty, fifteen ever <laughs> to yeah. ever do it. Yeah. I also
2: think it's it's the having to deal with, you know, two people who are debuting in the G one in his block. People that he doesn't normally wrestle like he doesn't normally have a singles match with Juice Robinson or Yujiro Takahashi. So it's like, you know, you have that comfort zone with him with Osprey, but a lot of these other people aren't people he normally fights in, in singles matches.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like he kind of Plus, s- plus
0: uh, Europe sucks. <laughs>
1: yeah. I feel like he kind of slept walk his way <laughs> uh in the, in this tournament. And which is a uh, sleepwalking Shingo is still like a three and a half star match. Uh, but yeah, definitely kind of a down tournament. But also too, just look at the way he was positioned. Like he wasn't in a ton of main events like he was previously. Right. You know, he wasn't the world champion. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on. That they've, they've kind of cycled him down this year. You know, he sees you know, KLPW. Provisional champion which you know we probably forget about Because he does not come out with with that trophy At all Um, and so yeah this Year he's kind of been downcycled From carrying the company like he did Last year and like you mentioned Karen there was you know you had Finley in here That needed to get over you had ELP that needed To get over Um, so there's Different people they were kind of focusing on so Shingo just kind of fell into the background This year still had very good matches But he just wasn't the focus this year
0: That move that ELP Hit Shingo with that Cross
1: armed the,
0: uh, the CR3. Is that what that's called? I've never seen him do that move before. Well, that's what he I called it. In in
2: the, the pile driver, right?
0: Yeah. The pile driver. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, that's new, apparently. And he said, that, I think either Kevin said it was the CR3 or ELP said afterwards it's the CR. Yeah. He, he went over the other
0: one was called the CR2. Right. Yeah.
1: After, com, okay. after the match, he went, to, he went over to Kevin. He's like, that was a CR3, Kevin.
0: CR3. Okay. I was like, Pressed for times so I was kind of hitting the skip button, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, damn, like, in a way that was cool, but you're also kind of stealing, like, shows shit. So.
2: <laughs> I'm glad I'll, someone's acknowledging it.
0: it. I mean, is that not like when he does the shock arrow, but like the.
2: It's the precursor version? to the shock arrow, yeah. Cross yeah. on the the
0: Yeah. But uh, it was still cool. I was like, oh, God, like, he beat this dude. Um, Shingo wrestled in this G1 the way that uh, Suzuki and Ishii wrestle in America
1: Mm. (laughs) He's
0: there to have a good time
1: Yeah Uh, One one other thing I liked about uh, ELP and Shingo real quick is just just the continuity from um, Forbidden Door You know they were in that Mm. six man together and Shingo pinned ELP in that six man and so New Japan kind of weaving in what happened at Forbidden Door and there were several talk about in in their backstage promos about it also and so ELP got some revenge here over Shingo from that loss at Forbidden Door.
0: They should have sent Mr. Sting to sit
1: ringside. <laughs> Maybe Mr. I'm, sting I'm, should I'm, have been I'm in a G1 block. In the
2: balcony somewhere. It's Sting.
0: Oh my god, I would love Mr. Sting to be in a G1 block. I think he can do it.
1: I think if, dude, if,
0: if you structure the matches properly to where he's not dying every night and you give him like a, a you give him like the sting like, you know, whatever, like he can do it. As long as he's not jumping off shit, he'll be
1: fine. But but Sting loves jumping off stuff now. Like
0: I know why? Why? <laughs> I hope he's got
2: good insurance. That's all I'm saying.
0: Karen, I know AEW is not like your top jam, but like you gotta appreciate Sting jumping off things at in his. Six-
2: I was at Revolution <laughs> at the UCF Arena, and that that arena is where we have the graduation ceremony for the College of Medicine. So my friends were asking me, "Are you gonna jump off the balcony at, at a commencement?" I'm like, "No." I'm like, "Yeah, we'll have 120 new doctors, but I don't
0: want—I
2: don't want to make—I don't want to make graduation about me. Thank you."
0: Ever since Hiromu called him Mister Sting, that's what I call Sting.
2: <laughs> Very
0: formal.
1: Well, uh, any other final thoughts on this D block before we move on to some of these questions here?
0: It was a disappointment.
1: D for disappointment.
0: Really? And here's why. Here's why. Here's why. It was still great, but on paper, it just should have been a lot better. I thought that this was going to be like the blow away block for all blowaways. And there were quite a few matches where I was like, that eh, wasn't a, that wasn't as good as I thought it should be. C block should not have outdone the D block. D block should have easily smoked C block. And it did. So that's my hot take.
2: I feel like they protect, they had too many people to protect in D Block, and that's the hard part. And they didn't protect the one person who needed protecting, which was Juice.
0: (laughs) It's not about the booking, it's about the work rate. It should have been better than C Block, and it just wasn't. C Block, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, we thought this was going to be, you know, Osprey and Chingo having, you know, a four star factory of everybody.
0: Every night. Look at the guys they're with. Look at how many, like, this was going to end Juice. Come on, like, Juice is going to have classics. Dave hey, Finley is going to be, you know, sort of, like, it just should have been an ELP. Like, I just thought that this was going to be, like, kill every block. Like, I literally thought it was going to be, like, that one block where you're, like, damn. But it it, it, and it was still really good. But, like, C block was the best block.
1: Yeah. Well, let's answer some of these uh, G1 questions here. First from Dark Soldier, with Juice being at the bottom of his block, lower than Yujiro. Did New Japan pull a WWE on Juice? Making promises they weren't gonna keep. I'll admit I'm probably exaggerating, but it's still questionable the booking of Juice in this one.
0: You gotta let it play out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man.
0: there is there is like this like there's a part of me that's like New Japan, may they wouldn't do that. Juice knows what's going on, everyone's cohesive, they're communicating. Everything's good, but there's a sinking feeling where I'm like, maybe they made some promises to this dude, and it's not panning out the way that they like said it was. Gonna, it was going to be like I don't know.
1: Well, it started off you know pretty hot, but right. Yeah, then things took a weird turn. Uh, next question here from uh, being bread is fun. Are you in favor of a seven way tie chaos and D block, or in favor of an outright? Points-based clear winner. The idea of a seven-way tie sounds fun, but if it comes down to a battle royal, what was the point of block competition? So this question probably came in before today's show. So how are you guys feeling about the potential of the seven-way tie in D block?
2: I liked the the looming possibility of it, but at the same time, it's again, if we're going to go to like a battle royal or you know multiple runoff matches. Again, what was the point of this entire block? Like if, if, I felt like it would have it detracted, especially after you know some people had a really good block and worked really, really hard in that block, and other people coasted in it, and it was just like, why why should someone who's coasting... like, Could you imagine going to a battle royal and Yujiro winning the block? Because then you could have had the, the no limit.
0: That'd be final. Part of me. There's a part of me that feels like what they should have done is... A derivative of what they so before the g1 when there were multiple ties and those did happen they would do um like they they would do a singular match comprised of multiple matches and it was like a mini tournament all in one sitting so like what if they did like a gauntlet a derivative like almost like a scramble match but it would be like you have five minutes or you have like i don't know five minutes basically to like and everyone just had to wrestle each other in this like one hour block, and that was the undercard of tomorrow's show. I'd be cool with that.
2: You think you think you watch Yujiro wrestle for an hour?
0: No, he wouldn't. He would only wrestle the other guys. How many? I don't know. I don't I'm not good at math. How <laughs> many? Uh,
2: <laughs> six All right, matches? so six matches per person.
0: Yeah. How many
2: matches? <laughs> I wasn't in this slip major. Don't ask me to do math. There'll be so many matches. This is, this is why it's too much trouble. It's too much. No. Outright winners <laughs> are fine. I can do it. I can do a trio tiebreaker, like triangular, whoever. But seven people, just it's too much math.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm... they could just have a scramble match like in WWE. Remember those this scramble matches?
2: This is not matches? WWE.
0: <laughs> no, Joe. but they could do it
2: they could I mean, but they... people would poo poo on it and be like this is not WWE this is the, this is the the king of sports new japan pro wrestling what the beep beep
0: beep beep
3: beep Remember Are when
0: Brian Kendrick was the provisional WWE champion in yes. the scramble match <laughs> yeah. it
1: be like that yeah they, they also could have just done like a, a gauntlet i guess um but For I, a
0: gauntlet they could have done a gauntlet
1: I, i'm i'm glad the way it ended up i i think yeah the seven way tie what would've...
0: about a, um what about, like, a scaffold match, and you have to throw everybody oh off my the gosh. scaffold? They'll,
1: That's
2: they'll keep, how people end up in the hospital. Or so die.
0: The King in the Mountain.
1: Oh, my God. Actually, no. They, I- put,
0: they put a big D at the top of the <laughs> arena. <laughs> you gotta, no, no, no. King in the Mountain's a reverse ladder match, so you have to take the D up the ladder and hang it, right? Is that how a lap? The King of the Mount works
1: Yes, and there's also a penalty box if you there's get pin, if you get pinned you get in the penalty box Too for many two rules.
0: minutes. stop no <laughs> let's do it. I'm down for the ki- the King of sports D block King, uh-huh.
1: king of the D okay.
0: <laughs> 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 And the the special guest referee would be Hiu Takahashi. yes because he loves that. that's his deal.
1: Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Less Commission, 7252. If Chi and Cody were able to compete in the 2018 G1 Climax, who would you have replaced them with, and what block would they have been in?
0: I don't know about which block they'd be in, because I don't think it matters. But it's very, very clear who should have been out of that tournament. Bad luck, Fale and Tamatanga, because they sucked in that tournament. They ruined the tournament that year. So I don't even have to, like, go into... I don't even have to look. That's who should
1: have been out. I agree. Yes. I also asked, can we expect the 2017-2019 old and ruthless submission wrestler of Zack Sabre Jr. as a full-thrown heel after he reverted back to his 2020 G1 tantrum? If Naito is expected to win a G1, we can get the rubber match for the G1 briefcase. Even though he didn't defeat Naito in the Budokan, he has a claim of defeating Naito in the New Japan Cup final earlier this year.
2: Can My you go f- living- that far back to claim an opportunity?
1: I don't know. <laughs> but I will
0: say like
2: this. I feel like the G- like the the New Japan Cup is like if you lost during the New Japan Cup that's like dominions kind of like the cutoff. like once the G1 starts that's the window shut. Am I
0: wrong? I I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with that whole thing? Like and that's just assuming Naito, like that's assuming Naito's even going to win the G1. Who knows if that even is going to happen. Um But let's say this. Number one, Zack Sabre Jr. is a heel. There's no mistakes about it. He's not a quasi, like, anti-hero. He's a fucking heel. Listen to his promos. The guy's a heel. Number two, him throwing tantrums is not a heel tendency. This is something he did in his, before he ever came to New Japan, when he was in uh, the UK and when he was in Noah. he just likes to throw tantrums. Even when he was a quote-unquote face, a good guy, he just throws tantrums. So, This is not like a new thing. He's just always done this. And yes, I would be fine with him and Naito wrestling again for the briefcase. Uh, There might be something to that because they were both like trying so desperately to finish each other and he got a flash pin. But I I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe Zach pulls all you know, you you owe me one. I I beat you earlier in the year kind of thing. We're one-on-one this year. Let's, you know, we need a rubber match and so... They could do that and it would be a fun match, and you could have an opportunity for them to have a, a longer match. And yeah, the tantrums at the end of the match are are was hilarious. And so if we're gonna get, you know, tantrum Zach back, uh, I'm I'm in for it.
0: Off topic. Off topic, but I want to make mention of it. Tanahashi didn't beat anybody in this tournament with the high fly flow at all.
1: He huh? did not, no.
2: He did not. Just wanna throw it out
1: there. Uh, I also asked, since we're near the end of the G1, could you guys call this four block format a success? Following up that question, do you guys think New Japan will go with this format again next year due to either the reception being positive or how much wrestlers they can get next year to come to Japan if the pandemic is still a thing?
0: I really couldn't speak to that. I mean, I can tell you from a fan perspective what my perceptions of it are, and I'm I'm mixed, but I don't know what business looked like, and I don't know what the health of the wrestlers actually looked like when it came down to it, all that time off, that inactivity, maybe it was good. Maybe it was bad. Maybe they did big business. I don't know. I haven't broken all that down. And those are the things the company is really going to be looking at and paying attention to more than like this podcast's opinion. So I don't know.
2: Well, my thing is that I, like I've, I liked this format for the past couple of years because that's what, um, noah uses for their n1 victory so i I was kind of excited when they switched to this format largely because you you have fewer matches and it's spread out a little bit more but at the same time i feel like the undercard of these these shows if you if you're someone who watches every single g1 show you're gonna think the undercard is exceptionally repetitive but then I look at it from the perspective of the fans who are going to these shows when they buy their tickets, they don't know which matches are going to be on their cards. So it's not like you're going to have a whole card that has like 12, you know, like a co rack one show that have like 12 A block, B block matches. So it's it's one of those things where it's just the I think they're trying to find the best balance. And if they keep using this format and they want to expand the field further that's fine but they also need to make the entire window of the g1 a little wider like trying to do this all in less than a month it's a lot of wrestling it's very exhausting (laughs) and it makes me it does make me wonder because you know like yoshihashi had his shoulder taped up more than he usually does from what i gather kenta wearing the one uh tight leg over, you know, instead of being just, like, his normal bare bare thighs. I feel like, you know, he has a lot of tape that he's trying to hide. And, you know, other people, like, they don't look as held together by tape at this point than they have in previous years. But at the same time, it's the, what's more profitable for the company? Well, is this format sustainable? Or is the guarantee of having, you know, a larger, you know, two-block format, but then you have a lot more people that are going to be losing a lot of matches.
1: Right, and I think an interesting point that um, Kevin Kelly mentioned—he was on Wrestling Observer Radio this week—and he was saying, you know, some of the guys were saying it—it it was kind of difficult to prepare for the tournament because, you know, usually you're like, all right, I have X amount of singles matches in a row, so you train differently when you know you have, all right, singles match, then. Uh, then you're in the undercard one the other next night, and kind of you kind of know what your schedule is based off of that. But this year, the the matches were so spread out. You would have a singles match, and then it, it would be a week or however many days before your next singles match, and so it's kind of hard to kind of get in that rhythm of preparing for all these singles matches when you have such a long time off in between. Um, but I'm with you guys. I think we won't know if this is truly a success until we start seeing. Some of the, the business results And I know there was a goal of Tickets that they wanted to sell for G1 this year and I believe It was up compared to last Year at the beginning Of the tournament so I would assume that They probably did better Business overall compared to last Year so from a from business sense That that might be a success There um, but I'm sure They're going to we we'll have to see like the final attendance Numbers the final gates and all this stuff to Kind of really figure out it's a real success, I mean, from a fan standpoint I think the only thing that I think that I would kind of tweak Is maybe just the people who are in it I think if yep. you if you have Overall, but you get rid of your Ugeros and your fallays And some of those lower card guys, Yano And you put in, I mean It, it doesn't have to be all AEW guys You, you have a full locker, locker room of Strong There are guys in Rev Pro um, There are guys in CMLL Like the Jeremy, there's juniors. Yeah, there's they're, they're Juniors, Hiromu Takahashi. There's people all up and down that you can pick. Um, and he has to see the AW Ring of Honor guys. Like, there's so many talents that New Japan has access to right now. Uh, heck, even Young Lions. Like, there's so many people that they could put in over some of these, you know, veteran guys. And if you're going to phase out Ishii, then you definitely need to phase out Yujiro. You need to phase out Fale and, <laughs> and, and get some, you know, fresh young talent in this tournament.
2: Put Shane Hayes in the G one next year, Buddy that,
1: Matthews. Uh, that Budokan hall wasn't looking so
0: packed th- today, if you know what I mean.
2: But again, it's a weekday. That's the other problem: is that they're doing three right. days of Budokan on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday.
1: Yeah, it's about if it
2: was if it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday. I feel like the numbers would be much higher.
0: They need to call out of work. <laughs>
2: they don't do that
3: there.
0: I know. <laughs> uh
1: moving on to uh Rambone Slam Pig says, which, if any, of the block winners were the most surprising to you? Did the tournament mostly conform to your expectations, or was there anything that was a big shock?
0: I know this is gonna sound I don't know, pretentious, but like we did a preview show and nothing surprised me here. I mean, even though I did pick Shingo to win D D block. It was like a toss up between him and uh, Osprey. Other than that, everything pretty much played out the way that I saw it, including the Tamatanga win. Because if you go back to that episode, I was like, I think Tamatanga is going to upset Jay White on the final night. Like I wasn't totally sure on that, but I was like, it just makes more sense for Jay to lose in the finals to set up a fall title defense. That's more traditional. And then you get the Okada and Tamatanga match, which there's history there from last year's G1. None of this really did surprise me. Ultimately, it did wind up playing out the way that I sort of suspected it would.
2: The Osprey beating Shingo one, I think that was just more of my my heart instead of my head. Because I was like, I, I really wanted that Shingo Naito match. Um, but if it wasn't going to be Shingo advancing Osprey would be the only other choice I would have thought coming out of that block. When it comes to B block, I'm pleasantly surprised that Tama not only beat Jay, but advanced to, to the semifinals. Because personally, in my mind, I had, all right, all right, Tama's going to serve Jay the one loss that's going to cost him the whole entire thing. But now it's like, it's even just like a little more sweeter because he not only cost him the block, but he's the one that's advancing. He's not get pushing somebody past both of them to that Okada match. And it, it's one of those things where it also... I feel like Jay is being... They're protecting him for no real reason right now. Like, they're not giving... They're not setting up any credible contenders other than your usual suspects. Your Naito's, your, Naito, your, your Naito's, your Okada's. Tama, that story's continuing. At some point, it's I feel like evil's gonna come out of the woodwork eventually. Um... But other than that, it's like I keep waiting for them to start bringing some fresh competition for Jay. And I don't know who that's going to be. And, and not that I'm getting bored of Jay as champion because I feel like he he deserves to have a longer reign than he did previously. But I need to feel like there's some direction. And I don't necessarily know if they're giving me that direction yet. Um, but yeah, ok- Okada, it, it, I would... again looked at the block and I knew I'm like, Okada oh is at least going he's at least going to the semis. But for me it was like, yeah, I, I'm pleasantly surprised that some people got to advance, but by and large, it, it sh- shook out just as much as I thought it was going to. A little sad about Sonata, but that, that's another <laughs> rant for another day.
1: <laughs> yeah, as far as block winning surprises, I I'm kinda in the same boat with you, Karen, as far as what the the B block with Tama Tonga, like I definitely thought that uh Tama could have spoiled jay like you've mentioned and beat jay and that caused somebody else to go through but i am a little surprised that they pulled the trigger and just had him win win the block which it, it makes sense now when you look at the the whole story of him and okada from last year for what they're trying to do um and but besides that i think everybody else who won the block made sense to me um
2: they just need to follow through on it now. That's that's my concern because they've gotten this far, but follow through is consistently the problem when it's outside of your your night your Okadas, your Ibushi's, your those S tier talents that the company always leans on.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the big shock for me was just the overall booking of the D block. We talked about it already with the way Juice was booked, the, the way that you know Shingo and Osprey weren't. Super dominant and the rise Of Finley the way Yoshihashi Performed like I think D block there's just a lot of Twists and turns and surprises There
0: Yeah I would agree with that I think a lot of the Surprises In the tournament weren't who Won the blocks it was the developments Within the confines Of the story of the G1
1: Yeah he also asked What is next for ELP Back to the junior division or is he making A transition to heavyweight
0: he said he's heavyweight, so that probably means he's heavyweight.
1: Yeah, I mean, he beat, you know, the former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Like, like Karen to the man who carried the company last year, I, I think, yeah, he's pretty much a heavyweight now. Uh, and this last question says, Naito versus Osprey is a huge protective match for the semifinals. Who do you see winning? Is this possibly one of Naito's last runs to the top, given his age and injuries?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think it's going to be, I mean, I've been calling it since literally the G1 was announced. The finals of this year's G1 are going to be Naito and Okada. And I know there's probably a lot of people who aren't happy about that, but at the same time, they've never wrestled in the finals of a G1. So it just makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that the stage set, we're here. I think that's where we're going.
2: And and the other thing to go back to what we were talking about with the the pri- promise that Naito and Okada made earlier this year about meeting at the Tokyo Dome, this is this is the, f- the match that will set all of that into motion because now whomever doesn't win the G1 is going to be the one scrambling to find a way to get to the to that main event whether it's dethroning Jay before then or possibly sniping the briefcase because you know after Ibushi lost the briefcase was it two years ago, it's not an uncommon thing anymore. Um, but I feel like for me, Naito was my pick to win last year. So, and then we all know what happened last year. So it's the, you know, he, his, his knees, good old uh, Tranquilo and Destino are tired and they're, they're (laughs) on the way out. So it's one of those things where I would like to see Naito, like Osprey has plenty of years left, but Naito being as transparent and clear about his desires of wanting to retire at, at, at within the next year or so, whether it's the truth or whether he's working all of us, who knows? I feel like I don't know if Naito has another G one as we know him now. I don't. This I don't know. It. Yeah, I feel like this is the this is the last chance to get Naito to have a G one uh, victory on his terms and one that he would be proud of.
1: Yeah, I'd be really surprised if Osprey were to beat Naito, and Naito doesn't go into the finals. I think, like he says, it's kind of his last shot, his last uh, big run to to do that now. And so, I think you got to kind of capitalize while you know he can, he can still go. Like you mentioned, Josh doing him and Okada in the finals, I think would be a big deal for their rivalry in the G One, and then giving him one more dome main event uh, for a title. You know, he's never been the IWGP World Heavyweight. Uh, champion so him kind of chasing that and trying to capture that on his kind of last twilight run
0: there's another thing too i mean if you think that this is a big match which i think it is between him and osprey and you think they might do this in some other iteration down the line there's no money in osprey winning right now because if osprey wins right now and then naito chases after him to like Naito going to be older he's going to be more broken down and then what you you're going to see him beat him at Dontaku next year or in the New Japan Cup I mean it just doesn't make a lot of sense but if Naito beats him now then Osprey has something to chase he has a vendetta and he's going to come after Naito next year or down the line and he's going to get that win back and do you want to see Naito get that win back against a younger, healthier, like Osprey in a couple of years? Like that doesn't make sense. The money is in the chase and the chase is going to be Osprey losing now, being tied up in the, the U.S. scene. And then later he's going to beat Naito in a big way down the road. Not now. So I'm pretty sure Osprey is not going to the finals of this year's G1.
1: Plus, like you mentioned, Josh, he's also the the U.S. champion. I don't think it would make a ton of sense for him as U.S. champion to go into finals or even win the G1 because then you have him with the briefcase and the U.S. title and defending both, and then he might lose the U.S. title so then he could go into the main event of the Dome for the world title, and then do you want the G1 winner losing his belt to somebody who— Well,
0: Naito was the never champion that one time when he won the G1. (laughs) Hmm. But then that didn't help them. <laughs> they I lost mean, the main event yeah. to just, Tanahashi just,
2: and throwing something at the wall. Is that you know we do have Royal Quest coming up, so even if you want to talk about trying to reconcile a loss, theoretically, should Naito win the briefcase? Who is the British heavyweight champion of Rev Pro? That's
3: who true. could say
2: belt versus briefcase main event in the UK
0: yeah I guess you could do that but then and then happens.
2: have it go to a draw because I don't I don't want to see I don't lose that briefcase to Osprey but yeah, I mean there is again like you said there is more appeal in Osprey being the one to chase it
1: yeah definitely well let's uh talk about tomorrow's card we have the the full card here Karen thanks for sending that link over so I'll run through I this card here So uh, show will open up We're going to have Yo, Yoshihashi, Goto, and Tomohiro Ishii Against Taka, Doki, Kanamaru, and Lance Archer Second match We'll have Tom Lawler and Royce Isaacs Versus the Dangerous Techers Third matchup Great Bash heel, Makabe and Hanuma Against Bad Dude Tito and Jonah Fourth match United Empire team of Aaron Hanare Great O'Connor, and Jeff Cobb Versus the Bull Club team of Chase Owens Bad Luck Fale and Juice Robinson Fifth match, L.I.J., Shingo, Hiromu, Bushi, and Sonata against Evil, Utero, ELP, and Kenta. Then sixth match, Kushida, David Finley, Tanahashi, and Yano versus the Bullet Club team of Ishimori, Doc Gallows, Carl Anderson, and Switchblade, Jay White. Then the semi-main event will be Kazuchika Okada versus Tama Tonga in the semifinal. And then the main event, the other semifinal matchup, to Naito versus Will Ospreay.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad that the good brothers could show up. I was <laughs> <tournament. laughs> thinking that.
1: Gotta get that big, you know, semi final payday, brother.
0: This feels like that time when Cody showed up at the end of the G1 and, and got a U.S. title shot off of nothing.
1: Yep.
2: So, so Yano's getting that pin so he can get that Never Overweight Championship match, right?
1: Oh, boy. Yeah.
0: um i mean i i I don't have the card in front of me so i can't like speak to everything that you just said but it sounds like a lot of like tag matches probably setting the stage for the future so it's probably going to be an angle heavy show and then the top two matches are probably gonna be pretty great
1: yeah so we're, we're both are we all three in agreement naito okada for uh august 18th
2: That's where. That's what my original my original prediction was going to be.
0: (laughs) I feel I feel pretty confident and pretty strongly that that's what we're getting.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I have a hard time seeing. I mean, yes, you could always. I mean, Osprey Okada. There's a story there, but I think Okada Naito some money. I'd be really really surprised if like it up Naito and Tamatanga or Osprey and Tamatanga. I think those are kind of out there.
2: The show's not sold out yet, so if they want to move those tickets. Naito Okada is the match you put to close the show on that third night.
0: Yeah, um, I do think it's kind of interesting, though. You have um, Jay and the Good Brothers and Taiji against you know these Han Tai dudes. Is there anything there to like set? I mean.
2: Kushida is the next challenger for Ishimori's Junior Heavyweight Championship.
0: Yeah. Right. That's on the docket. And then obviously you already have uh, Finley going after um, Ospreay's U.S. title. But, like, the Never Champions kind of locked up here. I'm guessing be in that World Championship title (laughs) (laughs) match. Do you think Tanahashi is going to be, like, beating one of these guys and then, like, challenging for the Never title against
1: Carl? Maybe, I mean, you have Tanahashi, that that flash, you know, inside cradle on Carl or or Doc Gallows. And then, yeah, Burning Spirit uh, tour, you you do Tanahashi versus Carl Anderson.
0: That seems to be like a likely scenario. I mean, unless you go with Yano, but that just seems out of left field. Like, I think they might set something up. Yano's very out of left field. (laughs) I could see them setting up something between Tanahashi and Carl Anderson for the Never Belt
1: especially since Tamatonga will probably be getting a world title shot and will not care about Anderson going forward.
0: Plus,
2: um, with LIJ, Shingo is the king of pro wrestling champion. He doesn't have a challenger next either.
0: Well, he's going up against all those Bullet Club guys, so, I mean, they could set something up there. Although, there was a period in the uh, tournament where, on the undercards, it felt like they were maybe hinting him in... uh, Zach again but nothing really came of it but that was like on the undercard something that kind of they're pointing at each other a lot and they they, you know they just happen to be across from each other in a lot of those under undercard tags at one point
1: i think he'll probably defend against elp i mean that's the person who most recently beat him the biggest upset elps in that in that multi-man match
0: oh yeah well he you know what? For some reason, I didn't even notice he was in that match because I'm just looking at House of Torture, and I don't even think of him as being House of Torture. And then, I, and then once you said, I'm like, oh, there he is. You're right. They, they probably will set something up between them for for that title.
2: Yeah. And then the opening match has, I mean, you could easily have uh, Chaos defend their never six man against the combination of Doki Kanemaru, and Lance Archer. I don't know. I don't. Taka. There's just a, uh, <laughs> taka. There's um, a, there's a lot of options for making that last day. Cause they only have the main event listed, but I guess they're not going to announce anything until this
0: tomorrow's card finishes. We don't talk about the undercards a lot during the G one, but there was an undercard tag where Zach and Tom Waller were across from each other. And the, the wrestling they, they did against each other was like in the, incredible so like the fact that we're getting dangerous techers against uh, team filthy like gives me hope like maybe there's something down the line for like Zach and and Tom Waller because those guys are they're so good together
1: yeah that'd be dope Uh,
0: all in all this looks like a pretty fun card and you know the top two matches are gonna be blow away I mean I I don't see why not
1: yeah it should be an awesome (laughs) card
0: and then you know on the last day I think Naito's beating Okada
1: i agree destino all the way big kevin kelly destino call will happen august 18th on my birthday night oh
2: happy early birthday
1: thank you when
0: it's all over you think we're gonna get the golden roll call but then kent is gonna come out and oh. bloody night <laughs> and sit on his chest in the booth And oh my gosh <laughs> it's a closest show
2: I don't. I don't need any surprise run-ins or returns on Budokan Thursday. I need. I need a nice, mild, uneventful <laughs> show with good wrestling.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if if we have some sort of surprises or people show up or videos or something like that. Yeah,
1: I think that there'll definitely be angles to build stuff for the fall.
0: I don't know how tied it will be to that match in particular, but just on the show in general. I'm anticipating something like that. Yeah. Also, Kushida wrestles for New Japan again, guys. Like, I
3: have it, you not discussed it, this?
0: Yeah, it almost seems like he hasn't been because he's been gone. You know, he was he was here and then he's been gone, but he's back.
1: I mean, he's been on strong, right? And he's he's on Music City yeah. Mayhem. I know. I saw, I saw him wrestle. That stuff just,
0: almost feels like it's not even real. You know, <laughs> it's like fever dream wrestling. <laughs>
2: It's critically underrated. I mean, Strong has (laughs) some of the best wrestling, and like like a lot of people I know don't watch it when they should be watching it, but (laughs) it's not a pair there.
1: Well, that's going to wrap up our G1 coverage, and speaking of Strong, we'll talk about that real quick. Um, So last Saturday we had uh, night one of the High Alert Tour. We had Jarrell Nelson of the West Coast Wrecking Crew defeating Shane Hayes of TMDK. We had Hickaleo. Being big demo moving on to like a six match win streak and then the main event aussie open defeated christopher daniels and yu yu to become the first and new strong openweight tag team champions any thoughts on strong guys
0: yeah i saw this episode um the first two matches were good um Nothing I I can really add to them too much. Uh, Big win for Hikaleo. But the main event was probably the big hook for the uh, episode. And I thought it really did deliver. It was a little shorter than I anticipated. But for like a TV wrestling match, which is essentially what this is, at 12 minutes, I thought it was very, very good. I thought everyone, you know, put in a great performance. And um, Aussie Open taking the titles is They're they're the right guys to hold those straps. They went over post match. They were issued a challenge by Jarrell Nelson for um, West Coast Wrecking Crew to uh, be the first challengers on the next tour. So, yeah, all in all, I thought the, uh, the main event delivered.
2: I was at the show. It was, I have to go back and watch it to see what, like, how they fill it in with the backstage promos and commentary. But that, What I loved about the openweight tag team match was that that was uh, Yuya's first uh, title shot, and they actually let him out of his young lion gear. They let him and Crystal Crystal Daniels have matching gear, Mm -hmm. which I'm a huge fan of matching gear. But it was... I I feel like, this. if I remember correctly, this match was relatively early in the evening.
0: uh, No? It it felt like this was early because... It's pretty bright out. There's windows and you can still see the daylight. Yeah. <laughs> and the crowd, honestly, this crowd kind of sucks. Like they're not react I mean, it might not have been like that live, but they're not reacting to anything. Like they it was, were like one of the deadest strong crowds I've ever seen.
2: It was one of the smaller strong crowds that I had been in. The the venue the Grady e. Cole Center, I've been at it for a couple of shows with the when New Japan used to run a new beginning there. And it was not as full as it usually is, um, but it was one of those things where I think it sounded a lot louder when I was there, and I don't know if that necessarily translated to camera.
0: It's possible when
2: when I mean, they when they before. air Rocky Romero versus Dax Harwood, and the main event between Takahashi, Desperado, and Blake Christian. Hopefully that 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 sound will translate because the crowd was electric for those matches.
0: Rocky did cut a promo on this episode, setting up the the singles match with him and Dax Harwood so for the good. next week as well.
1: well. Yeah, well, both of those matches you mentioned, Karen, are on the docket for next week's next Saturday. Ah. Strong, the main event: Takahashi versus Desperado versus Blake Christian. The semi-main, Dax Harwood versus Our Good Friend, Rocky Romero. And then the opener will be J.R. Kratos versus Drew Adler. Nice.
0: So um, let's get into the news. I'll read through this very quickly. So for the first time in three years, NJPW is headed back to the United Kingdom. New Japan Pro Wrestling is excited to announce that Royal Quest 2 will see NJPW finally make its UK return across two days in London on October 1st and 2nd. Uh, This will be taking place at the Indoor Arena at Crystal Palace's National Sports Center in London. They'll play host to the event, and NJPW has opened up a mailing list for fans interested in ticket information. Those who sign up will also receive access to a ticket pre-sale. So that is very exciting. And uh, coming up, United Empire faces Death Triangle in the first round of the AEW Trios Tournament on August 24th. So some crossover action there um John Moxley will be um they'll be airing the John Moxley versus Desperado match this week on Access. So if you didn't see that match, that was our match of the month last month, so highly recommended. That'll be free on Access. Um I covered the news with Robbie Eagles challenging for the title against uh Dragon Rojo. He did lose Friday night in his title challenge for the CMLL world middleweight title to dragon rojo in arena mexico um other news so this is a bit bit of an older news story you guys can weigh in on this a little bit but hiromu was in nashville for the music city uh, mayhem and he had items stolen from his hotel room it was ransacked while he was working uh, music city showdown tokyo sports did an interview that karen in translation who is karen peterson uh, did the translation for and kind of let people know what the lowdown on that one was?
2: Uh, the what had happened was he went to the show, left his left some things in his hotel room, um, you know, just like just like his clothes that he had packed for, like his non stuff he didn't need for the show. So like his like his casual wear, his sportswear, like just personal creature comforts and stuff like that. And while he was at the show. Somebody got into his room and cleaned out everything. They took everything. Mm-hmm. In his YouTube video that he released, I think yesterday. There's no English subtitles on it, but I was listening to it, and the more he was, t- and he and they actually during the video, it's a vlog of his his trip to the U.S. for that like one week between um, High Alert and Music City Mayhem. They count down to the day where his room room gets robbed, and my my. The one thing that stands out to me from that video is that he says he asks housekeeping to clean the room. And I don't know if it was... If there was a miscommunication with the front desk and they thought he was checking out, so they cleaned the room, cleaned the room. Or if somebody was able to figure out that he was staying at that hotel and asked for a spare key and, or broke into his hotel room. But they took the... the Part of the video that he talks about at the very end is that they gave him a police report to fill out to, you know, itemize the things that were stolen and what their uh, value is. And he's like, it's not necessarily that these are things that were expensive, but it's the sentimental value of what was taken. Some of the the like some of the, uh, pieces of clothing that he brought were from one of his favorite bands that um, they were limited run. Like, you know, you can't find them. You can't like order them off the band's website anymore. They're very hard to find. So he, you know, does his best and fills out the paperwork and turns it in. But, you know, with no hope that he's going to ever see his stuff again. Right. But shortly after returning to Japan, it seems that because he was traveling, not traveling with Desperado, but they seem to have been in the same venues and same airports at the same time because they have the same flight schedule. Um, one of my friends who also does translation work said that Desperado kind of mentioned like he tweeted at one of the guys from the band where that is her own they're coincidentally the same it's the same band that they both like um about about the incident and it got back to the band and they sent the item that he wa- was the most upset about a pair of shorts that were like limited wow. edition they sent him like the the, per- the person from the band sent his own personal last pair of those shorts for Haruma with some other things to kind of cheer him up because he's less. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but it was it was like this like you know Despie's trying to like do the right thing on the DL and not let everyone know that you know he's doing like a good thing, <laughs> and then Haruma completely outs to being like, oh, by the way, Despie, thanks for your help. But well, it no was one in those... the
0: West would have known that. But now this is a widely listened to podcast. You've broken kayfabe, and now it's I going I, out I pulled to the back masses. the
2: curtain. Sorry,
1: Karen, exposed <laughs> business. I, I-
2: <laughs> My sources are Tokyo Sports and the Hiromu Takahashi official YouTube channel. So you know what they did it to themselves. Let's be honest. But it's one of those things where you know, in in the end of his video, he talks about you know being more aware of not traveling with things of sentimental value. Things that if you're if you're traveling to X Y Z location, don't tra- like unless you're taking those important things with you everywhere you go. Don't travel with things that you're that if you were to lose them. That it would be so devastating for you. Like travel with things that you, you could stand to lose.
0: Mm. But well, spe- speaking of Hiromu, this past Sunday he was wrestling for Brain Slam presents New Noise in Los Angeles. Um, he wrestled Warhorse in a no DQ match. I haven't been able to find any um, footage of this match, but people that were there live said that they were taping. So it is expected that this match will become available on VOD in the near future. So be on the lookout for that. Stark uh, cast five panel, which was a couple weeks ago. Claudio Casagnoli was interviewed. And during his interview, he said he would love to face Kazushko Kata at Forbidden Door 2. So, you know, we can cross our fingers. Um, Matt Raywalt, who has been on the mic for New Japan Strong, recently announced via Twitter that he has stepped away from the ring indefinitely and focusing exclusively on the broadcast side of business. So, um, you know, that's kind of a a little bit surprising. We've seen him even compete for Strong uh, this past year, but he is no longer going to be wrestling. Um, formerly known as Killer Cross, has reappeared in WWE uh, two Friday nights ago, and he's n- he'll no longer be making NJPW appearances for the time being, which a lot of people that are listening to this show are going to be very happy about. Yes, um, <laughs> Christian has reportedly signed a AEW slash ROH deal via Fightful Select. They gave that report uh, a week or so ago. I don't I haven't seen a lot of news about this, but. He is apparently under contract with AW and ROH. So um, good thing that forbidden door's open. So
1: for now. <laughs> yeah.
0: We had a question from Hawaiian Punch BV. He said Triple H is in charge. Dakota Kai and Karen Cross have made the returns. Are you worried about any of the NXT babies making their way back to Papa H?
1: Well, like we mentioned earlier like Jonah, obviously Triple H, he's he's making calls. He's trying to get people back um, into the fold and yeah they're, they're going to offer a ton of money To guys like Jonah I'm sure Blake Christian uh, People who are But he's under contract but they're, they're going to try and find People who are have shorter deals Or maybe don't have full time deals And try and drop the bag to get people over So yeah I am worried about that We've seen it over and over again with New Japan It always seems to be that Exodus to WWE Usually happens after Wrestle Kingdom So it is definitely possible that Triple H gets a guy like Jonah back and some of these other guys that are on strong
3: I think the other thing is,
2: yeah, and the other thing is that a lot of the guys that were let go are ones that got burned when they got to Maine like Shane Hayes is a prime example of that he was doing well in NXT and then he wasn't <laughs> um, but he's found his stride in New Japan and I would hate for him to give that up just for the prospect of having more money So, but the problem that new Japan's running into like Blake Christian is another example of, you know, he finally came back to new Japan and now he got signed out from underneath them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They have to definitely be mindful of it. It's a buyer's market. Speaking of all that, there are reports that WWE and Triple H are scouting big name Japanese talent to bring into WWE. There was rumors that they were looking at Kanosuke Takeshita. He's uh, since said that he has no interest, but they are looking to potentially bring in somebody. So, I mean, you know, we know in the past they've had interest in Okada and Sonata, different other names like that. So that's uh, definitely a story to pay attention to. Um couple upcoming shows, NJPW Strong Fighting Spirit Unleashed Tour that will be taking place in Los Angeles, August 21st. Some of the announced matches, Rapungi, Vice, and Kushida and Taylor Russ will be taken on the Bull Club team of Chase Owens, Hikaleo, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. Robbie Eagles will be wrestling Kevin Blackwood. Mascara Dorada will be taken on Mysterioso. QT Marshall versus Keita. And Fred Rosser is also announced for the show. The next month month new japan strong autumn attack will be taking place in las vegas on september 11th shingo takagi is set to make his njpw strong debut so he is confirmed for the tour as well as alex zane fred rosser tom lawler red narita mascara dorada jay white tomohiro ishii and more and then coming up on august 20th and 21st red pros 10 year anniversary show live from york hall few of the announced matches on night one august 20th yota suji will be taking on shota umino in a strap match so apparently the rift between those guys has run so deep they need to bust out the dusty road strap to settle it once and for all (laughs) (laughs) also on that night um the undisputed british cruiserweight title is up for grabs as Uh, Kira Francesco will be taking on Luke Jacobs. And then the main event of the night two, we'll see Will Ospreay defend his title against Ricky Knight Jr. for the undisputed British heavyweight title. And this match is RKJ's last chance. So if he doesn't win the title, he can never challenge for it ever again. So I'm, uh, I'm sensing a title change potential here. So this is like their third or fourth singles meeting. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a big one. And then we're going to kick it over to questions and then get out of here.
1: Yeah, so Rambo Slam Pig says, Dave Meltzer made a comment that he's been told of big plans for some AEW wrestlers on Wrestle Kingdom. Do you think we're getting a few one-off free matches or a full-scale AEW cross NJPW card for one of the nights like they did with Noah?
0: My feeling is that there is a possibility that there might be one exclusive AWX and JPW evening like they did with Noah. But if I was them, I wouldn't go that route. I wouldn't do a forbidden door two quote unquote that way. I would just maybe work in some of that talent for Wrestle Kingdom as a whole and just give the entire whatever it is, two nights that kind of special treatment, that boost that kind of has been lacking the last few years where you bring in some outside big stars and you kind of bolster the the profile of the overall show.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I don't think I'll say a forbidden door two will probably happen and make money. But yeah, I think just having the AW guys on big matches on the Tokyo dome mixed up with other new Japan, big matches would probably end up being better shows.
2: I think the one thing that we need to go into this whole idea with is tempered expectations because people were upset about Forbidden Door. People were upset about the G1. And people, if you go back to New Japan versus Noah, there were a lot of people who were unhappy about how that was done as well. So it's one of those things where I, I will get excited about it when they start announcing things. But I also don't want it to be where there's... They bring over so much talent that New Japan talent and New Japan strong talent are getting left off the card as a result. Right. Because Wrestle Kingdom is a New Japan show. It is not a crossover a crossover product. Unless they want to add a day like they did this year. Right. That's fine. But it, it shouldn't be unofficially a co-branded show where a lot of talent that are there year round are getting thrown off the card or put put into a rumble or or gauntlet match on the undercard for like the never six man. Cause that's just not fair to them.
0: Yeah. That was going to be my response was like, if, if that is the case, then maybe they should just do a third day show. Like what you, but you mentioned it. Um, but here's what I will say. If they do do a third day Nobody should temper any expectations. There should be no reason that they should be doing like a subordinated Noah style, just nothing but tag matches. If they do go ahead and do that and do a third day and it's cross-branded, they just need to like fucking unload the guns and give us what we wanted for Forbidden Door and just just fucking do it. (laughs) Like give us the dream matches. Just why not?
1: Uh still burger buns has a question only somewhat related to the G1. Which current pairing of NJPW rivals do you think produces the best matches? For example, Shingo and Osprey, White and Okada, etc.
0: Right now, uh in, in this current era of wrestling, I mean, I can't think of any pairing that's better than Shingo and Will Ospreay just across wrestling them. And that's In the post Okada Osprey world that we live in,
2: their matches have been consistently the highest rated and most talked
0: about.
1: Yeah, I think right. Yeah, Yeah, right. Currently, at easily Osprey and Shingo.
0: And I think before Okada Omega, I would have put like Dragon Lee and Hiromo in that conversation. So I think, like, absolutely. in, In like the last decade, it's been like. Dragon Lee Hiromu, Okada, Omega, and now we're in the like Shingo, Osprey era. And until someone shows up and starts putting on matches that are better than them, that's kind of what the deal is.
3: Hiromu
2: Despe from start kind of started back in twenty twenty. Um, that's true. That would be another one that if we're gonna give a little bit of love to the juniors, that 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 they should definitely be in the conversation.
1: Yeah. Less Commission 7252 says, other than the Rainmaker, the High Fly Flow, Stormbreaker, etc., what finishing move do you guys think is very much protective? I have Robbie Eagles at the top right now with his Ron Miller special.
2: Bushy's MX.
1: Uh, is,
0: is that that protected? I it's too protected. I
1: don't think anybody's kicked out of the MX.
0: Are we talking about the MX off the, MX off the middle rope? Yeah. The, okay. Because I've seen the no hit one it, ever not... kicks
2: out of it. And but everyone the sells luck. the ever loving you know what out of
0: it. Nobody kicks out of the bad luck fall. Yeah. Ever. Never. Nobody kicks out of the bad luck fall. You want to talk about like a protected move? That's a protected move. Yeah. I mean uh
1: the blade runner, JY's Blade Runner, nobody's kicked out of that.
0: Here's another one. King Kong knee drop. Nobody kicks out of that move. Mm. There are protected. It's not just the main inventors. Like there yeah. are protected moves out there, um, but those are the ones I can think of.
2: Time bomb two would be another one.
0: Yeah. What was that? Time bomb two. Oh yeah. Has nobody? Wait, I think uh didn't didn't Desperado kick out of time bomb two?
2: Was it time bomb two or time bomb? Like I can't remember which.
1: <laughs> I th- I think he might have kicked out time bomb two. He did. He kicked out time okay. bomb two. Yeah.
2: But also, but that's another one that's very few and far between. People don't normally kick out of it, though.
0: Nobody's kicked out of Stormbreaker.
1: Yeah. Last of the Dragon? So, Has anybody kicked out? I don't think anybody's kicked out of that yet.
0: I can't think of anybody. Made in
2: Japan, yes. Last of the Dragon, I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Also asked, who would you guys say had the better redemption arc? Kota Babushi from Wrestle Kingdom 2020 to Wrestle Kingdom 2021? Or Jay White from 2021 Wrestle Kingdom to Dominion 2022? Ibushi Yeah I agree Uh, Next question says Is Chase Owens the legend killer of New Japan Following up with this question With wins over Tanahashi and Ishii Do you guys think Chase Owens will get upsets over top tier guys Every year Possibly Naito
2: But like Osprey and Hanari Have also beat Tanahashi So he isn't the only one Tanahashi's she's still he's, alive. He's not dead
0: yet. <laughs> I mean, I would hope to not be that guy that, like, when you beat a legend, they're like, oh, it's such a huge upset. Like, you want to move past that to where it's like, okay, he's great.
1: Right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I don't know if Chase is going to get ever get past that. Uh, his last question also relating to Chase is I didn't know that Chase Owens was 32. I thought he was a bit older. But with that, my question is do you guys see him As a major star in the future of New Japan as a main eventer.
0: Nope.
1: I mean, he's a great worker, but I I don't see him ever going beyond possibly upper mid card status.
3: Agreed.
1: Uh, Dark Soldier says Should AEW and NJPW co host a Super J Cup? There you (laughs)
3: go. Sorry.
1: uh you said there you get another collab show without wasting a forbidden door show
0: yeah i mean i could definitely see that and i don't see why not um for a few reasons super j cup isn't exclusively uh, a new japan i mean i i don't know who knows about the copyright law they might own that title now but originally that wasn't just a new japan tournament that tournament has taken place in other companies in the past um And it was always a collaborative. Originally, it was always a collaborative tournament amongst many different companies. It was never a New Japan exclusive tournament. Uh, In the most recent years, when it became a New Japan exclusive tournament with just some guest outsiders, it kind of fucking sucked. So I do love and harken back to the old days of Super J-Cup. So would I be in favor of them doing some collaboration like that? Sure. But here's the bottom line is like, I'm not real. I don't know. The last time they did one in the U S during the pandemic, it looked great on paper and it ended up not being great. So I do think that it should happen in Japan. Would I be okay with them doing it with just AW guys? Sure. Would I be fine with them doing it with some AW guys and a bunch of other talent domestically and abroad? Yes, because that's what the tournament was originally, and it was always supposed to be the best juniors in the world trying to figure out who's the best.
2: I think if they're going to do that approach, it shouldn't be limited to just one other company. Because they have, you know, they have partnerships in Australia, they have partnerships in the UK, they work with CMLL, they work with multiple promotions in the United States. If they do it like they did the Super J, uh, the best of Super Juniors earlier this year, where they had, you know, delegates from multiple promotions, definitely. I don't think it should be limited just to AEW. So it's a Forbidden Door-esque type show because Forbidden Door also ended up being a promo for Blood and Guts, so it wasn't all it was cracked up to be.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it would be better off, yeah, including, yeah, RevPro, CMLL, Impact, AEW, Ring of Honor. Like, you include all the promotions that you have partnerships with. I think that would make it more interesting and more fun.
0: Let me throw this out here since we're in the, you know, uh, what's it called? What is it? Fantasy booking room. What if they did a junior tournament that was just AEW New Japan, but they didn't call it Super J Cup? That's something that I think could be intriguing. There's a lot of junior talent over there that hasn't really gotten the opportunity because there is no junior division. Um, There's guys like Dante Martin and various others who could benefit from being involved in, you know, a one night tournament that, that could be interesting. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I'd be down for something like that.
2: Yes. But it also has to be done with the understanding that not everyone gets protected because that was my biggest beef with Forbidden Door is that it felt very AEW heavy in the sense that a lot of people got protected from AEW. There would be they sure. there, there would have to be a reasonable win-loss situation.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of imagining a like Starcade 95 scenario.
2: That was a little bit before my time.
0: It, basically that was a World Cup where they had New Japan and WCW do a one night uh it wasn't a tournament but it was like a series where it was for the world cup and it was basically whichever team got more wins and ultimately wcw beat them by one but you know it was pretty even throughout the night so i mean but if it's a single elimination tournament nobody gets protected you know what i mean because everyone's losing except for the one guy that wins so i feel like that could work or be something worthwhile to look into because i mean there's a lot of I mean you got Darby Allen, uh, Ray Jungle Phoenix, Boy. Jungle Boy, Ray Phoenix, like there's a bunch and there's a bunch of other names I I'm not even thinking of right now. There's a lot of juniors over there that could be cool to, you know, see mix it up with the juniors over here.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh next question says, why hasn't Tama brought in Haku to deal with the bull club?
0: <laughs> because Haku's part of the Bull Club. What are you fucking talking about?
1: Yeah, Haku still cashing I mean, them checks,
0: bro. Why do you think? Why do you think Hikaleo is part of the Bullet Club? Who do you think is is instructing him to be, you know, to remain loyal to the Bullet Club? You know, his father, King Haku, who is yeah. also a member of the Bullet Club, along with Scott Norton and Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> uh,
2: He's just enjoying retirement. He's like, you know what? I'm fine with it.
1: Uh, next question says, should New Japan consider a Naito and Sting feud for Shingo? Like, for the next set of shows, Shingo isn't acting like a team player. He begins doing stinger splashes using a skateboard. Oh, and my has, God. <laughs> no. And has face no. paint on. Hell, even at one point, have him tell the ring announcer to call him a Dues of Attitude member. Naito argues that Sting <laughs> is poisoning Shingo's mind as so we have custody for Shingo match at Wrestle Kingdom. What are your thoughts?
0: Okay, no, no to all that. But let me just say this. As terrible as all that sounds, if there's anybody on this roster who could make something like that actually work, if they really were driven to <laughs> want to, it is Shingo Takagi. But no,
2: <laughs> I would. I'm terrified at the thought of Shingo trying to use a skateboard. <laughs> like I don't see that ending well for him.
1: I think that would actually be pretty funny. The vignettes of like Sting and Darby teaching Shingo how to skateboard. <laughs>
2: He's got like a helmet and like all the padding on. He's just like trying to like
0: scoot along. No. Now let me turn turn this idea on his head. What if we wound up with like, let's just say, who knows what Shingo's doing by Wrestle Kingdom season? What if he gets in some some sort of weird feud with Darby Allen and he starts doing to Darby what Darby does to other people? So he starts cutting the black and white vignette, like um, like, you know, the uh the, the videos, but it's Shingo doing things that he thinks Darby would do to get under Darby's skin. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny. I don't know what he would do, but it would be great.
2: I don't know if I could stand seeing Shingo brooding in flannel in, like a, in a dark corner somewhere.
0: <laughs> but he would do it like facetiously, so it'd all be like, uh, you know, mocking him.
2: While holding his Starbucks. I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh last question here from Hawaiian Punch BV. Thoughts on Usyk Joshua 2? Do you think Joshua will make the proper adjustments in taking the rematch like he did against Ruiz?
0: Oh, a fight question. I'm so happy to get one of these. So very looking uh very much forward to Usyk Joshua 2. I'm hoping that Anthony Joshua beats Usyk because I really want the Tyson Fury Joshua mega fight in Wembley. But um I have a feeling that Joshua is going to be Usyk. It was a closer fight than people gave them credit gave him credit for in the first one. And I felt like if he just made a couple of ju- adjustments, he could have easily won that fight. It was a lot closer on the scorecards than people pretend like it was with Usyk. Um, one thing, Usyk is huge right now. He has bulked up. He looks like a true heavyweight, not like he did in the first fight. And I'm wondering if that's going to be detrimental to him. At the same time, who knows? Either of these guys, these are big boys. And, I mean, if they hit on the button, either one of them could go to sleep. So, I mean, anything is possible at that point. But uh, I know I predicted Usyk to win the first fight, but I think I'm going with Joshua for the rematch. So, take that for what it's worth. I got the first one right. I get a lot of these right, so just saying.
1: Nice. Well, let's end with a recommended match of the week. Uh, So last week for the excursion pick, Josh, you had originally recommended Robbie Eagles versus Dragon Rojo from CMLL. I didn't
0: know that this wouldn't air in time for the show, so that's my B.
1: But you picked the new match. You picked the uh, Warrior Wrestling title match, War of Attrition match from Warrior Wrestling 23, which had... um, Will Osprey, Shane Strickland, Jake Something, and Brian Pillman as a starting as the team, taking on Sam Adonis, Jeff Cobb, Lance Archer, and Brian Cage. So how the War of Attrition works, it starts off as an eight-man tag, then turns then one team loses and it turns into a tag match, then that team loses and it turns into a one-on-one match. Um, so kind of a convoluted. I actually
0: didn't know that. I haven't seen this match. I just saw that it was highly rated, and I found the link to it and sent it to you. So, I, I'm going into this blind. I had no clue that those were the rules. Of the match. Yes. I thought it was just like a, I thought it was just like a, a gauntlet or something. I don't know.
1: No, so yeah, it's, it's this crazy matchup they they have here. Warrior wrestling. Um, fun matchup. Obviously, you have a, a ton of talented uh, wrestlers in there that usually don't mix it up. Um, so Osprey's team won. So Osprey, Strickland, Jake something, and Brian Pillman they pinned the other team. So then it became a tag match. So Brian Pillman and Osprey teamed up to then beat Jake something and Swerve. And then at the end, um, Casey D'Avaro Devar- has some kind of Money in the Bank gimmick, some kind of medal that he won previously that he then cashed in on in the middle of the match. Which then turned it into a triple threat match between Casey Navarro, Osprey, and Brian Pillman. And then Brian Cage came out and helped Casey Navarro <laughs> win the match and become the new Warrior Wrestling Champion. Um overall it was a fun match, but I mean there was a lot of I was actually pretty like annoyed at, at the finish with Casey coming in and cashing in, and then Cage coming in to help. I'm just like I get you don't you don't you don't want to pin Osprey, but there's a whole lot of I think they could have done something else.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was one I was kind of skeptical on. I saw very high ratings, but I saw a couple reviews where like this was a mess. And I was like, who do I believe? Yeah. <laughs> do I believe the score? Do I believe those couple raiders that are like, this was a mess? So I mean, it sounds based based on the way you're talking about this was probably not going to be a recommended match of the, you know, excursion match of the year for you at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Chris Samsa uh, suggested that I go back and watch Tomohiro Ishii versus Katsuhiro Shibata from the G1 Climax 23, night four. And, um, you know, as great as this G1 was, there's nothing in this G1 that could even fucking touch Ishii and Shibata. Uh, it's just quite simply one of the most beautifully violent matches that has ever occurred in the history of wrestling It is balls-to-the-wall action, nonstop violence for the entirety of the match. The crowd is just booming, even before the match starts. Like, they are just so hyped for this confrontation, and it never stops. If you've never seen it, you need to watch it. I think I've decided that this is my litmus test for what a five-star match actually should be, you know? Like, okay – Five star. I think it might be five stars. Is it as good as Shibata and Ishii? If it's not, it's going down. And if it is, then we're talking about a a greatest of all time match. That's how good this is. If you've never seen it, go out of your way. You need to watch this. You need it in your life. Incredible.
1: Nice. Then uh, for this week, I have the excursion pick. I'm going with our good friend Rocky Romero versus Speedball Mike Bailey from last week's episode of Impact Wrestling.
0: Did Rocky win the title? Is he the X-Division champion now? Uh,
1: Unfortunately, he did not capture the (laughs) gold.
0: I guess I'll have to wait and see. Um, My recommended match of the week, because I think Naito, by the time we record next week, will be the G1 champion this year, I figured we'd dust off one of his classics from yesteryear. And my recommended match of the the week is Tetsuya Naito versus Michael Elgin. From New Beginning in Osaka 2017, Dave Meltzer gave this match five stars, and nobody talks about it, but it is, quite frankly, one of the greatest New Japan matches that has ever occurred. Naito versus who? Michael <laughs> Elgin. You know him. He's the guy with the protein powder, you know? Everybody knows about that.
2: I don't know her. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Karen, thanks so much for joining us on this crazy G1 journey. (laughs) You're
3: welcome.
1: Please tell our listeners where they can find you online, what you got going on.
3: All right.
2: Well, if you're interested in stardom and Japanese women's wrestling coverage, you can follow me over at postwrestling.com. I have a weekly column called Dream Slam Weekly that comes out every Saturday. I am also available on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and YouTube at Hey Karen Sensei. I also, aside from doing a lot of wrestling content and podcasts as of late, I have been published by Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. So if you find the October issue with Thunder Rosa on the cover, my interview with Hiroshi Tanahashi's in it. If you pick up the November issue, it'll have my review of CyberFight Festival uh, from back from in June. And if you Happen to be interested in the upcoming House of the Dragon. I am doing a weekly review slash podcast on House of the Dragon over at my YouTube channel.
1: Nice. Awesome. So make sure you guys follow Karen. Check her out. And next week we'll be back to discuss the semifinals and finals of the G1 Climax 32. I believe James Boyd from One Nation Radio will be joining us to review uh, those last few nights of the G1 so if you enjoyed Dr. Joshi. yes, Doctor Joshi will be in the house. Uh, so if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. And visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you click us on social media on Twitter. The show is at ki strong style. Network is at social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L Donovan on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash social Suplex. Also, you can find us in the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group. On Instagram, we're at SocialSuitBlex. On Reddit, I'm the Guy, Y'all just keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at suplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex podcast. Network on radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences, hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd and Austin. The AEW Match Guy podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. And the Great Match Generator, hosted by Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts.
0: It's fun. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.